0: Having an imperfect buildup takes the pressure off because when you don't have a perfect buildup, you're not expecting it to be a slam bang day. And so when things aren't going perfectly in the race, you're not gonna overthink and you're not gonna freak out. Imperfect buildups can still lead to perfect races because of maybe the buildup before that or the two buildups before that they build on each other. And I think that's what is really important to realize.
1: Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode 39 of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. I'm so excited to share Libby Bigelow's amazing story. Libby, her husband Ryan, and Dog Canyon are fond of outdoor adventures and enjoy taking road trips and camping overnight in their Subaru. Could this be the secret to her crushing a 243 at Grandma's Marathon and punching her OTQ ticket to Atlanta for the women's marathon trials? Do you think driving 17 hours to Atlanta might tire you out before the biggest race of your life? Not a chance. Libby came in, seated 299th, and placed 134th, rocking a 245 on that super tough course in Atlanta with crazy winds on that day in front of her family and friends who traveled from distances far to cheer her on. We discussed growing up as that fully immersed kid who signed up for everything, completely overcommitted. Music theater, science Olympiad, soccer, playing the French horn, you name it, if there was a sign up sheet, Libby was all in. The impact her high school cross-country coach, Kathy Hector, and her college coach, Karen Lutsky had How biking with dad on his runs sparked her interest in running and got her started. Running her first sub three with her husband, Ryan, together, step for step in Seattle, and how he encouraged her to move her training forward with more purpose and to go for an Olympic trials qualifier. The dream begins to form. A random call to her coach Karen Lutzky from an airplane without leaving a voicemail as to what the message was about and getting a call back when they landed, hearing that she hoped she was calling about setting a plan to reach the Olympic trials. And the dream begins to further form. It's a family affair, grandma's marathon. Libby, hubs, Ryan, and dad all run the race. Get after it. Gotta love it, Bigelow clan. And of course, mom is out there cheering them all on. Atlanta, a full deep dive on Livy's race and what it was like to feel like a rock star for the weekend in Atlanta because of the amazing job the Atlanta Track Club did putting that race on together and supporting everything around it, the logistics, the media guides, everything, just 100%. Out of the park job by Atlanta Track Club. Her training approach, fueling, mantras, and talking about when training cycles don't go right, how you can still have a big day. Community, coaching cross country, sharing lessons she's learned along the way and paying it forward. Livy warned me in advance that she liked to ramble, but her stories were so fun and packed with inspo and lessons learned, I had to allow her as much runway as possible. So cue this up for your longest long run, or maybe even split it over two. So much will resonate, inspire, and make you smile. And at Subaru USA, please create a campaign and sponsor, Libby. Hope you all enjoy this convo as much as we did. So let's dive on in and take a listen. Good evening, Libby Bigelow. Welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. How are you doing this evening?
0: I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm
1: doing great. What's happening out there in Michigan?
0: Well, we have a little uh, sun and a little clouds today, so it's about a normal day in Michigan.
1: (laughs) Yeah. What's the temps? What are we looking at?
0: Uh, a little cooler than i'd like 56 degrees come on that's like prime we'll ru-
1: prime running weather what are we t- what are we complaining about man? oh
0: perfect for running perfect for running And yeah. we just got back from miami so <laughs>
1: so you have you gotta readjust to that michigan Michi- michigan cold weather right yeah exactly good so what's going on man what's what's new and uh how about as we usually start every pod, I usually just throw it to the guests and just tell the Run Chats audience a little about where you grew up, what life was like for you as a kid and all that just as a basic intro.
0: Yeah. Well, growing up, I grew up in Michigan, little state. We like to call the mitten because when you look at the state, it looks like a hand, like a mitten. And I grew up right on the west side of the state. Um, I grew up with four kids who were in my family, older sister ran and that kind of suckered me into running a little bit along with my dad. Um, and that's about, you know, backstory.
1: <laughs> Love it. Love it. So where are you in the order out of the four?
0: Oh, good question. I am number two. So it goes girl, girl, boy, boy. So ah. I'm the second girl and then two boy, two younger brothers after me. So number two, that's the best, you know, First is the worst, second is the best, third I like is the it.
1: one. They got a chance to figure things out a little. You know, you came out and they're like, okay, we know what we're doing now. And then the two brothers after that are like, yeah, whatever. We don't really have to pay yeah. attention to them. <laughs> Plus they're boys, so they'll figure it out.
0: They'll figure right? it out.
1: <laughs> so do we have do we have brawls in the family? Do you guys like square off? No. You guys get along? Is it like competitive? What what's what's the situation like with, with the siblings? That's a
0: good question. We're all super different. Very different. All four of us are Completely different, and yeah, no, no major brawls yet. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe when we're in fifties, we'll like throw it down. I don't know, fifty-year-old brawl. But so far, we've we've been pretty tame. <laughs>
1: I like it. So you guys all get along, which is good. But we like families that mix it up, man. I'm a huge fan of that. It's always one of the first questions because it's family dynamics. I'm middle. Okay, I got two brothers. We're super tight. And you know my dad has passed, and he's not with us anymore. So God rest his soul. But we we're raised by my mom, this feisty, tiny little Irish woman. Who, man, she could just take anyone out, man. She could she could turn from the warmest, softest, most endearing person with the sparkling Irish eyes to just like the death stare. And just if anybody messed with her kids, you were you were your life was in danger, man. So you just didn't you just didn't go there, man. But
0: we good, Mama Bear. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean that's that's what you, we all need that, right? I mean, come on, on, man. And you know, we got mother's day tomorrow, so I get to see her. God bless. She's going to be 89. So we're happy to to still have her. That's awesome. Now, do you guys all get together for family gatherings? What's that situation like with the Bigelow clan? Bigelow clan.
0: It depends on the year. Obviously this last year has been a little rough. Um, We So we just moved, my husband and I just moved back to Michigan uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, we lived out in Idaho for about five years. So, you know, we didn't obviously fly back and forth all the time. So getting together was few and far between, and we were hoping to get together a lot more frequently after moving back, but about a month after moving back, COVID hit. And so not as much as normal, but it is starting to pick up, starting to pick up again.
1: Good. I mean... COVID just threw us such a massive curveball, um, And, um, you know, obviously um, for me personally, I don't want to talk about your trials experience yet because I want to spend a lot of time on that, about Atlanta and what that weekend was like for you and your husband. And I know your family came down to watch you run and all. Um, but you know, COVID. Like I was supposed to be getting on a plane to fly to run, run the Tokyo Marathon. It was one day before I was going, and um, I've already run all the Abbott Six Majors. I um, actually ran all six of them in one year in 2018. No way. Yeah, that's why I was on the A to Z podcast. So we we're talking about Andy, Andy and Zach a little before he came on. Fellow Michiganders, also both insanely awesome runners. And how many husband and wife teams can say they both run in the Olympic Trials? That that's is, huge. That is pretty rare. You know. Sarah Hall, Ryan Hall, like you don't have a lot. That's a small, that's a very small group. So we became buds over COVID time. So that's where I was going with the COVID situation. So that's the reason I got to go down there, but we're going to save all the Atlanta stuff. So let's just go to your like elementary growing up years, like high school sports and all that, you know, what was, what was that like? Cause I know you have a little bit of an an interesting background.
0: Yeah. Okay. So Definitely grew up soccer. I was a soccer girl, loved soccer. I think that's pretty typical of endurance athletes. A lot of them, I think, start out with soccer because they need something to keep them busy. <laughs> I think that's a that's a good red flag that maybe later on you're going to keep with endurance sports, even if you don't stay with soccer. Truth. Um, so did a little soccer. Also did a lot of theater and <laughs> did a lot of music stuff. I played the French horn. So I was the type of kid who, if there was a club, I was going to join it over involved. Uh, I liked being overstressed. I don't know. <laughs> a little bit of everything. So um, even did cheerleading for a few years. That was that was exciting. Uh, I would say it wasn't until maybe mid-high school that I finally started running year round. Um, I didn't start running year round until later in high school. Um, but that's kind of how the, how the start of it all happened. And originally I was actually going to run um like track my freshman year and then soccer my sophomore year go back to track and then finish with soccer my senior year because it was my favorite sport. And on uh, your favorite sport makes sense, right? Never happened. Never went back to soccer after that. So I finally got rid of my soccer cleats about ah, a couple weeks ago. I was digging out bags. And I was like, yeah, these are from eighth grade. I probably don't need them anymore.
1: Time for the donation cart.
0: <laughs> Time for the donation they're going, cart. They're going
1: somewhere Goodwill, a local church, or, or to some kids. Well, before we dig into your running and stuff in high school, we got to go back to the nerd stuff. Love the nerd stuff. Love the performing arts. Huge, huge performing arts fan. And my son- who is also a runner. His mom was a terrific runner herself, two fifty three marathoner. I met her. I coached her in running, and um, my son is a pianist, an organist, conductor, conducted oh, high wow. high school musical. So we can't just let that oh, no. slide by. I mean, come <laughs> on. So what was your jam? What and the in your musicals? What were you playing? What was your instrument?
0: Uh, I played the French horn. All right. Um, so not an easy, not an easy one to play, but I will, I, and I I got pretty good at it. And I actually considered doing it in college because I I really liked the French. I liked everything. So um, I'm someone who likes a lot of things, except like I hate baseball, like I hate playing baseball, terrible hand-eye coordination, really bad. But um, yeah, that would be the instrument of choice. I still have it. I actually pulled it out. This is funny, actually, Ron. I pulled it out when we lived in Idaho, probably about two years ago, because I was like, I still remembered my scale. So I joined, <laughs> I joined the local like city orchestra. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do it. And I remember getting getting my instrument out, getting ready. They gave us like a whole sheet of music. And I was like, flip. I don't know how to read music anymore. It'd be like 10 years. I don't think I've felt more out of place in a really long time. I like, by the end, I packed up my stuff and I was like, I can't go back there. I think I tooted the horn, like two toots. <laughs> I was like, this is so bad. So, you know, I might need to pick up lessons again, but yeah, uh, I love music. I love, I like variety. And
1: so. I love that. I love that. And and let me just share, not just because my son is doing this via Zoom, so aside from being a, a music conductor and playing organ in church. And um, there's an end of life um, uh, nursing home in Vermont where he's the music director for. So he puts oh. choirs together and they go cool. and they play and, you know, he's just doing a lot of community service stuff, which just touches my heart as a dad. Um, but he's doing, he wouldn't believe the amount of lessons he does for zoom with piano. So I'm certain that you could pick up, you know, French horn lessons, you know, via zoom and, you know, really, Really get back into it again or find somebody like he has a Patreon page, which is obviously more dedicated to piano and organ specifically all different styles, you know, whether it's jazz and, you know, Gershwin and just whatever, you know, or classical like Liszt and Chopin and and Bach, who's his favorite. But I'm sure your brain, once it's wired for that, I think it becomes a big part of us and music and appreciation for music. Like, don't let that slide, man. You got to dive back in.
0: Oh, I am at some point. I have decided, probably not at this point in my life, because I, because <laughs> I just I don't have enough time in my life. So I think okay. that that and probably theater will be like maybe when my body is too old to keep running anymore. I figure I'll pick up biking and then pick up like. Music and theater again. <laughs> I don't know. We're totally we'll we're totally
1: cool with that, but don't ever say the too old to run. No, no, we don't even go there. I'm sixty, and I ran sixty miles on my sixtieth birthday for Tommy Rivers wow. Poozy, and I raised not quite six thousand dollars. I'm still raising money, so um, that's
0: awesome.
1: Unfortunately, during that run, I actually got a stress fracture and ran sixty miles. Really? Yeah, in my knee, it's like a it's a it, it's the top it's the top of the femoral bone. Believe it or not. Like the top of the femur, like the head of the femur, I don't know. It's got some weird, it's like the femoral condyle. It's some strange bone that you wouldn't know, but it's it kind of I do. I'm a physical therapist. I know exactly what you're talking about. So it's my medial femoral condyle. (laughs) I was gonna say it's a medial. Look at you. It's my medial femoral condyle. This is awesome. Who knew? We could even get get into the diagnosis, but it was an acute fracture. And you know, Oh, so it went straight fracture. Yeah, and my and my sports doctor, by the way, has done 35 uh, marathons, 14 Ironmans, and he works at a hospital special surgery in New York. So he's like, he goes on TV. Like he's a really well And he's like, dude, I bow to you. He goes, you walked in, you took an x-ray, you weren't even limping. You ran 60 miles on a Uh. broken, fractured, acute, fractured knee. He goes, like... You're you're my new hero. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, I looked at your MRI five times. I'm like, is this the right MRI? There's no way. He goes, people are wheeled in, in a gurney with this injury, or they're like in a wheelchair, they're hobbling, because you were like walking around all like excited and telling me about the run. But I was like, I was obviously hurting. I knew something was wrong, but I just figured, you know, hey man, I ran 60 miles, it was freezing cold, it's all concrete, you know, I'm just sore. Something's
0: probably not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
1: you can't play the old card with me. We don't, we don't even use the old card.
0: I will, if my body won't let me anymore, that's the only reason I won't keep running yeah. as if my body
1: uh, Of course, man. And you know, I'm just, te- I'm just, too much. I'm teasing you. And now I, now look at this, an untapped resource. Now I have a physical therapist in my, in my zoom connection world. So there here we go. go. It's time to check, <laughs> check in with Libby, see what's up. And as you know, though, with that injury, there's literally nothing I can do. There's zero Rest. that I can do. So, well, I, he's allowed me to ride a bike and swim. Um and oh, so yeah, yeah, no, but I'm saying there's, run, right? but there's no, Im- no, but I'm saying there's no impact doing yeah. that. And he did
0: how long though, how long you it
1: it started January 29th was when I did the run, which was my birthday. So I, um, it was three months like to the day and he allowed me to start really short, you know, 15 minutes. And he goes, if you can run the whole 15 minutes, you can, he goes, and if you have any issues at all, you walk, you run, you walk, run. And if it's any real pain, you just stop altogether. There's no, you cut it off. So I made it through three runs and the four, you know, I got up to like 20 or 25 minutes and the fourth one I knew. I just instantly knew, like, I didn't even, I didn't even go four steps. And for me not to go, I was just like, nope, I'm not doing this. This isn't right. It isn't right. And he's like, dude, it's not healed. He's like, we don't need an MRI to know it isn't healed. We need another month. I'm like, what? Another month? So, so yeah, but that's where I'm at. But we got, we got to get back onto you, man. We can't be talking about my injury and my stuff. But <laughs> no, is, I get
0: curious about these things fun, You talk about course, an injury and I well, get curious. <laughs> there isn't
1: a, there isn't a runner or a triathlete or an ultramarathon who's come on my show. I mean, we're all going through something. We're all managing something. And it is great in your profession, in your business, you know, you can – Look at the underlying cause, and I think that's one of the reasons I've made it thirty years of competing without a major injury. I've never had a bone injury. I've never had a stress fracture. I've run fifty-seven marathons. I've run like five ultras. Um, I ran those six majors in one year: three and thirty. Yeah, that's incredible. Three and self, thirty-five yeah. days. Three and forty-nine days. Two halves and a fifty-miler. And then when the year was over, because you have your CIM shirt on, my good friend, my on. good friend out in California, <laughs> her dad had passed, and she really wanted to qualify for Boston. And it was in her backyard and the race was closed out. There were no, um, registrations live. And she's like, you know, everybody, you can get me in the race. I don't know anybody at CIM. I ran there when I was like 36 years old. Like, I don't know anybody. And she's like, you'll figure it out. And literally I called on the phone. It's like a cold call. It's just like, you have to help me. And the dude was just like, all right, man, this is the best story ever. You're in the race. Well, I'm giving you two entries. Cause obviously you have to run with her. And I was like, no, I'm just getting her in the race. She goes, no, I think she's expecting you to run with her. I'm just going to put you but And I did. I ran with her. And it was the greatest ever because I think we got to 14 or 15 miles. And she just went away. And you know, CIM, you could just see. I could just see her the whole way. And it was just like the happiest moment ever because I didn't want to run hard anyway. And she wasn't way ahead of me. She was like, I don't know, maybe a minute for the most part until really late in the race. And then she really... Stretch it out to maybe three or four minutes, and I just was so happy because I knew nothing had could have gone wrong. Like if it did, I'd see her sweep back to me. See her come back, yeah. But yeah, but this is, this isn't my show. This is your show. So we got to transition <laughs> back, man. You got to reel me in when things, you know, we talked about this before we came on rambling. Well, so
0: She, she left and you were back there. It kind of reminds me of my grandma's marathon experience because I ran with my husband. So we were trying to qualify, I was trying to qualify for the trials and it was right around my 13, probably 14. Um, Cause it was after the half marathon and I didn't know it. Cause he kind of covered it up that he wasn't feeling so great in that race. And he was like, you got this, just go. And I remember like starting to go like st- keeping my pace and he was like, kind of starting to fall back. And I was like, come on, Ryan, you can do it. And I'm sure in his head, he's like, I'm trying, but I don't feel so great. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just kept going. So it was one of those things when we got to the end, he, I think was uh, like maybe two fifty two which he wasn't happy with, but he, there was no way for him to know if I had qualified for the trials or not at that point, because I could have missed it, but I wasn't back by him. So it was like, by the time he crossed, it was like, I did it. And it was really neat experience. So those are kind of similar that California versus my grandma is kind of like, you know, you know, they did well because they left, but like, did did she make it? Did she qualify? You know,
1: that's a that's an amazing story. And I also know this because we were are sharing some notes on um you know your running history and your background. I also know your dad ran in that race as well. so it's a family affair, man. Was it's slime it? the family stone, right? It's a family affair. I can't sing, so we're not going to go <laughs> there. But so dad is out there. Ryan is running with you, and and this it's like the reverse of the Kaiser stories. It was a perfect segue. Like I mean, I she didn't need me. She really didn't, and it ended up that you really didn't need Ryan. Although I'm sure it really helped keep you calm, it probably helped keep you relaxed. And it's it's virtually around the same point in the race. And wow, that is just truly epic. And Grandma's is a, a fabulous race, right?
0: It's so good. And for me, at that point, I'm trying to think. I think every race up until that point, Ryan and I had always started together. So it's just kind of a comfort thing. Like he's, I'm a little more type A and he's a little more chill. And so it kind of works really well. He keeps, you know, we can like joke around about different people in the group that we're watching or, you know, it just helps you stay more relaxed and bless my dad's heart. I think he was probably 60 when he ran that race, maybe somewhere really close to 60. That was his last marathon. And I think he needs a hip replacement. I keep telling him that, but you know, sometimes dads don't want to Like you should probably get an x-ray dad. You might need a hip replacement and then you'll be really happy and you'll feel good. But so he finished it too. He finished, he actually did great, but, um, painful, I'm sure. So yeah, great, great experience. One, one of many, um, really good. That's an
1: epic story. Well, for one thing, dads generally don't listen. Um, number two, runners never listen to injury well, advice. Thing, yeah. Runners <laughs> give great injury advice. Okay. We're fantastic at saying, Livvy, you really need a couple of days off. I'm telling you, just, you're going to be recharged. You're going to be good as new girl. Just take a couple of days and chill. Would you take the same days off yourself? Of course not. Never under any circumstances. Yes. I need to run. It's 40 below zero. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, I have 101 fever, but I got to get my miles in, so I'll run. I'll be okay. I'm a physical therapist, so of course I can figure it out if something goes wrong. I can figure it out if I get yeah, injured. <laughs> I mean, I can fix myself. Yeah, of course.
0: <laughs> always so we got
1: family dynamics. You know, Dad, Dad is a, a baller, man. You know, the dude is a beast. He's out there. He's out there rolling at 60. So cheer, yeah. cheers to dad. Um, cheers to dad. <laughs> yeah, we're not, you know, you know, if he doesn't want to get the hip replacement, it's cool. I mean, you know, like he, but he does need to go to you though. And he's got to get his PT in order and do some strengthening. If he's not going to go that route, you got to, and make sure his shoes are all dialed in and we don't have any issues going on with that. I mean, we got to yep. get, got to get the mechanics in order. Come on. We got, you know, this is important stuff.
0: I think it's years of, my husband likes to call it the carpenter shuffle. We kind of don't pick up our feet and I kind of do the same thing sometimes. Like when you, when we're walking I just kind of shuffle, I think it's the years of the carpenter shuffle kind of catching up with my brothers run the same, like we just kind of all have the same form. I've had to work really hard to improve my <laughs>
1: Um, I don't think you can call your your own running the carpenter shuffle when your qualifying time <laughs> is 2.43.40. Or I know that's your PR. I don't know if that was at grandma's or if that was run at the trials, but you can't really call a 2.43.40 a carpenter shuffle. Yeah. Not going to fly. <laughs> not going to happen. Not allowing it. Officially, no go. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, we'll call it. For me, it's just when I walk. <laughs> All
1: <shuffle. right>. We'll <laughs> let that slide. You know, We'll let that pass through. But you can't run 243.40, which is probably 618. I'm guessing I'm probably close.
0: Just, yeah, a little under a I was
1: 615. 612. Some,
0: yeah, 612. Okay. I yeah, because cool. to break 20, fake two hours 45, I had to be 615 or under. Yes. And so it had to be around 612,
1: 613.
0: Which yeah. To quote, like for me, having that big of a 90 second buffer, I was like, it was a great day because even before the race, if you would have told me, even the day before that that would have happened, I would have not really believed you because I had been injured for three weeks in the main buildup to that race. So I met, I got one 20 miler in, which if you're trying to qualify for the trials, you got to be getting more than one 20 miler in. Oh, usually I get at least a 22 miler in. And so one twenty miler, like. I didn't, I did, I honestly did not think it was necessarily going to be my day, but it just, I felt good. And I kept telling myself, um, for that race, my mantra. So sometimes I do mantras and sometimes I don't. And for that race, what I had a mantra and it was, I am healthy. I am blessed. I am going to run my best. So I wasn't injured during the race. So I was just going to, whatever I had, I was going to run my best. Like, and so I just kept repeating that in the race, like I'm, and even in the training, those couple weeks before I wasn't injured. And so I was, I was just telling myself that even in the training, as I was doing a hard workout, just I'm healthy, I am blessed. I am going to run my best. And I just think that positive mantra really helped. Um, and sometimes mantras really help. Sometimes I don't use them. um, but that one was that one specifically for that race was a good one.
1: First off, it's it rhymes, so it's got you just all you need is a little music back there. You know, know. you did got the music theater, so (laughs) we get to turn that thing into like a little rap, a little rap jam, and you're rolling, man. So, for huge bonus points, and if you get this wrong, we're cutting the interview right now. I'm kidding, we would never do that. What What is my mantra? You don't know. I, of course exactly. not. It's stay in the fight. So it's how I close yeah. off every podcast. So it's okay. It's solely okay. I, I can't cut the podcast short because you're a great guest. It would be awful. And people would be like, wait, I want to know the rest of Livy's story. Ron did that to her. What's wrong with him? We thought he was a cool dude. No, we can't be doing that. No, we can't do that. Absolutely not.
0: Usually I try to like look up some stuff on people, like whether it's coaches or athletes I'm trying to recruit, I didn't have a chance to look up stuff. So I don't have any of your dirt.
1: Wow. <laughs> I mean, I like when people sling the mud and dirt, it actually makes know, things I way more interesting. I've got
0: nothing to sling your All way. Right? Well, you know,
1: like it's okay. So when you come back on the next time, you'll be way more prepared and you can just start throwing stuff, daggers, <laughs> knives nasty looks, whatever it takes, you know, just,
0: just bring it, man. People can't we, see the nasty looks though. So. They, well,
1: they're going to see it when it ends up on YouTube, my friend.
0: So <laughs> let's not
1: make that kind of assumption. And you know, your whole family, your brothers are going to be watching this thing going, what was she talking about in that show? Are you kidding me? Oh yeah. Everybody, everybody's a critic. You know how it is.
0: Oh, I think only one of my brothers watches. Podcast, really? YouTube videos. Yeah. The other ones are, they're, I don't think they'll ever ban. Cool. <laughs> Maybe I don't know.
1: So grandma's is like a crazy epic experience. And I just need to know did you guys crash out in the Subaru outback the night before grandma's? I need to know.
0: This is a good question. So frequently we will sleep in the back of our car. So what we do is we go out this Subaru and we fold down all the seats, and then we bought there's there's this uh big grocery store and they were selling these like three inch foam rectangles and we cut it out. So there's two sides that fit perfectly into the back of our Subaru. And so we stick that in, we put sheets on, we put pillows and we do all this whole, this whole thing. And, uh, frequently before races, we just sleep in the back. That way we wake up and we're right at the start line the one thing that gets sketchy is if you don't know the race or you don't know the city, you don't know if you might get a ticket or a police officer might be like, excuse me, you can't be parking here at midnight. and That gets a little sketchy. We actually did not before that race. We flew in and my parents picked us up from the Minneapolis airport and then we drove the rest of the way. So not before that one.
1: <laughs> okay, cuz I was I thought maybe we were going to crack the code on how to qualify for the Olympic trials. It's you just got to rock the Subaru out back and go sleep at night in the in your Subaru, do your thing. And then first off, Subaru definitely needs to be paying attention to this pod. We we're going to be needing some sponsorship for Libby. Come on now. Let's not mess around. They're big fans of women athletics, sports competition. I know they've had an Olympic uh, connection, you know, before and have have done some stuff. So come on, like, what are we waiting? for? I just for? need to
0: lower my times a little bit, and then no, 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 no,
1: no, no. There's no. The there's <laughs> I, I do the negotiating. There's no lowering times. No, this is happening. So they're gonna get a shout out on this pod. They're gonna get tagged. It's happening. And trust <laughs> me, in the comments, there will be something made. This girl sleeping in her Subaru with her husband and running the Olympic trials. Step up, Subaru. Let's go. You know, I'm telling you, somebody's gonna write us back, <laughs> yeah. and it's gonna it's gonna be on
0: what's funny is my coach will be like, so where are you staying? And sometimes I'm like, well, we're not staying anywhere until so like, Oh, so you're sleeping in your car. I'm like, yeah, we are. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> Sorry, coach, we're sleeping in our car this time on the way down to the trials. We slept in the back of our Subaru. Cause we drove to the trials. And so on our way, on our way down, uh, we definitely slept in the Subaru, so that was exciting. How um, long
1: of a drive from Michigan to Atlanta? That's got to be a haul.
0: It was like seventeen. I want to say seven, fifteen hours, maybe fifteen.
1: Wow, that's a long we one. We're
0: big road trippers, so it okay. seems like no big deal. That's cool. We drove back from Grandma's. Like we did big road trip from Duluth all the way back to Idaho, and I mean that was a good. I don't know, long. <laughs> it was a long one, but we love it. If we could just have more days off, we would do it all the time. If we didn't have to work.
1: (laughs) I know. What's with work anyway? I don't know. I mean, come on. Seriously. Who do do we have to talk to about this stuff? I mean, we just got to get rid of all of it, man. You know, just, you know, like my podcast. I mean, I'm making so much cash on this show. Right. I don't even have a sponsor. I make nothing. This is the biggest losing proposition on earth, man. But it's all good, man. It's so much fun. You know my what, dog
0: really needed to be out. Sorry. Well, first <laughs> off,
1: we're gonna mention the dog. We gotta go with Canyon because it's pretty much the coolest name for a dog Canyon. I've heard in a while. And I've seen some shots on your IG page. Canyon is looking like a boss for he's sure. He's a sharp,
0: he's a sharp fellow, let yeah. me tell you.
1: Yeah, I'm talking like shiny black coat, looking handsome, you know. You know, definitely in some of those pictures, right?
0: Yes, yeah. He is a he's a sharp looking fellow. I do have to say though, I just opened the door to let him out. And I, I'm sorry, I'm getting the giggles because it smells, it smells like a skunk. And I kind of wonder if my cat got sprayed. Stinky might be stinky.
1: Uh-oh. I don't
0: know for sure, though. But it smells like a skunk in my house right now. And now I got the giggles. But Canyon, he's really sharp. He's only been sprayed by a skunk one time. Just once.
1: He's a veteran. No, He's a veteran, man. He, he knows what's up. Now, does Canyon come on these road trips? Is he like crashing out in the Subaru too?
0: Canyon frequently. Oh, yeah. Canyon's a great traveler. Um, we adopted him when he was a little puppy from a rescue. And we I remember telling them, we were like, we really want this dog. He's so cute. I just love him. I was like, we're going camping this weekend. Can we pick him up on Monday? And the lady's like, No you have to take them today. I was like, okay, we can take them today. And She was like, it's really good, you know, to have your animals go with you and you do things. And we knew that, but we, we went to go to the rescue, like venue thing. They were doing a little rescue event. We went without, and like we had no supplies, like nothing. And so it was like, okay, we can get them, but now we have to get all the stuff and still pack everything to go camping. So Canyon will frequently Yeah. He frequently goes with us. We don't, I'm super cautious about like if the car gets too hot or if it's going to be too cold, like I don't mess with that. Um, I don't want him overheating in the car. Like he's super babied. (laughs) So, um, yeah, he will, he'll frequently go, but not always if the weather's not going to be where it's conducive to a pet.
1: So you haven't taught him to run the AC and the heat controls in the car. All right. Cause I mean, I see that in his future. i I mean he's smart enough i mean that's what i'm saying i mean i think you know and again like i mean subaru (laughs) let's get together here like we need a customized vehicle as well as a sponsorship so let's you know we're gonna get all of this this is on our little list we're gonna get this all going because uh come on man i mean you can't be working all these hours as a pt i mean how much faster can you run if they step up i mean come on you I know, mean, I could obviously. run so much
0: faster. Yeah. And I could take 10 minutes off, guaranteed.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, Ryan's got to step up too, man. He can't be like, can't be bailing on you at 14. I mean, really? I mean, and telling you he's having a rough day. I mean, you're not going to let that slide, are you?
0: I mean, we got to be the next, you know, the next couple to qualify for Olympics. He's got to shave some time off, mm-hmm. get the males qualifying time, and then we'll be golden.
1: I think it's a plan. And you know, I think
0: I think he's on board. And when he
1: and when he does, he's coming on the show, of course. I mean, course. you know, like I had Andy and Zach on together, I can have you guys both on together. He there can be go. on. He can come on with Canyon. I mean, you know, it's all good. You
0: know, we're Canyon's still a show, though. He's too cute. This is true. And remember, it's a
1: family Affairs, the theme from? Grandma, so that could be the name of the show. It could be the podcast name. Go. It's a family affair, and we could have a little slime, of family stone in the background, a little music. Yeah, it's all good. That's and then it.
0: Stinky will just be Stinky. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, we can't leave Stinky out of the equation.
0: I, mean, I know. I mean, that that's... Canyon actually got his name though because we, when we adopted him, the little event was right on the Snake River Canyon. Ah. so that's how he got his name because we adopted him on the canyon, and so Canyon. Some people have thought that it's, that it's Kenyon. It's like, no, it's not Kenyon, <laughs> it's Canyon. but like, like, you know, Grand canyon. Um, So that's how he got his name.
1: He probably can run as fast as a canyon though. Probably. Yeah.
0: For about two or three miles, but he's a lab. So he gets kind of lazy and now we'll get his running harness on. And sometimes he's like, Oh, <laughs> it's like, you get out there and you love it, buddy. Does, You're not ta- even four he, years old he, yet. He, he
1: takes a dive, right?
0: <laughs> it's <laughs> so like, We'll go, we'll get it out and we'll be like, come here, Canyon. And he'll like walk around the house to come here. Like, do you really want to go for a run? I don't know.
1: Yeah. He's not, it's so funny because my dog is also a rescue. And exact story of you. We go with my son when he got to the age when I told him we are going to get him a dog. And I worked for this uh, rescue shelter when I was in high school. So it was in my home hometown high school. And they kept sending me alerts if like dogs came in that were in the lab family. And she's got as much pit in her as she has lab in her, but... I didn't care about any of that. As long as we liked her and she liked us, she was coming with us. But same thing. We just show up with nothing. We don't have a leash. We don't have a collar. We don't have a bed. We don't have any dog food. (laughs) We just show up and the lady's like, okay. I'm like, "Um, don't you need to check us out or anything? And she's like, no, nope, you're good. You worked here. We know everything about you. Like, you're fine. And I'm like, you don't need any. Like, no, no. Okay. And I'm like, next thing you know, we're like walking out of there. And it's like, huh, what's going on? And when my son was uh, captain of his high school cross country team, Van Cortland Park is legendary place where runners run in the New York area up in the Bronx um at just outside of new york city and high school and college championships have been run there for years i mean some of the great pre prefontaine ran there some of the greatest runners in the history of the u.s have run there and ronnie used to run his meets there and i bring the dog once in a while all the other parents bring the dog and i will never forget this. we were running and she was like full bore like wide open and she just like takes a dive like me going head first in the second base and just goes on the ground and splays out and i'm like what are you doing? And I could feel her heart's beating like 300 beats a minute. She's just oh, like, no. I'm done. I'm not running anymore. <laughs> exactly. And that was it. I mean, it was a walk from there. There wasn't like another step. It wasn't like us if we just need to slow down a little or maybe do, yeah. you know, just like chill out or drink some water. Nope. It was just like, yeah, yeah. it's over. It's over. <laughs> Yeah. So, cheer, cheers! Cheers to great. rescuing dogs. I Man, that's yeah, that's a beautiful. He's thing.
0: great. Our first one was not a rescue. We actually have a little Shih Tzu. <laughs> okay. So we went from like a little dog to a bigger dog. Yep. But we'll have him for as long as we can. Obviously, he's great.
1: Well, Canyon's a part of the crew, you know, he is. and he uh, is. like I said, we'll get we'll get Subaru working. So let's go back in time a little bit, so you don't just show up. And get to grandma's and run at two forty three. So, we'll, we're gonna go a little reverse order because usually we kind of build up and we. I like going all over the place, man. Tangents are fun, you know. And the heart, the fun, (laughs) and the best damn part of the show—if you can like go back and forth and actually then pull it all together in the end. So
0: let's try to confuse people as much as possible. You warned
1: me about that before coming on, and I actually (laughs) like a challenge. So this is good. We like this kind of stuff. So growing up you know, like high school, college, because you don't want to leave that out because you've had a very important person in your life, a coach who had an impact on you. So take us back there, you know, where running really became something, you know, after the soccer years, you know, when you kind of got your start and became serious about it, bring us, bring us back there for for a bit.
0: Yeah, I would say back in high school, I was pretty lucky that I had, you know, high school cross country coaches, there can be like a multitude variety of high school cross country coaches you can get. You can get someone who got their arm twisted into it because nobody wanted to do it. I was thankful to have a coach who really cared and she really set up a really team oriented program and just a really healthy program. Um, Her name was Kathy Hector and there's a lot of other high school coaches. Her husband helped out, my, my track coach, uh, Ken Jan, he helped out a lot. Carrie Goodrich, she still helps coach at Whitehall High School. But I would say Kathy Hector was the main the main person. And even before high school, um, when my sister was running cross country and I was running in junior high, she invited me to a couple of their high school summer trainings. So I thought like as a seventh eighth grader, this is so cool. I'm with the high schoolers. Great coaching tip. Anybody, if you want to like really snag a kid, invite them with the big kids because I thought it was I thought it was super cool. and yeah, so i I remember that specifically. and just really really caring about our athletes and not only like progressing, but also really emphasizing like team and like a healthy appreciation for like your body. I think high schoolers and college athletes can, you know, run into that male or female run into that, like, Oh, I, being too strict on what they eat. And I thought, I think she, she built a really healthy, healthy, I don't know, food mindset as a young athlete, because I definitely know myself and that I'm a very type a personality and perfectionist type personality. And so looking back, there were definitely as a freshman in high school, if I thought that that was going to make me faster, I might've gone the wrong road. Same thing going into height or going into college. Um, my college coach, Karen Lutsky, same thing. I, I felt like she built a program that you didn't really talk about weight or anything like that. Um, the only time we did was when we did, uh, she would do every year, like, um, an eating disorder awareness, like walkathon that we would do when we'd raise money and do it for eating disorder awareness. So if anything, it was only talked about like, Hey, this is out there. We need, you know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, I never had to stand on a scale in front of a coach or anything like that. Um, so I think those, those two coaches played a ginormous role in my life. Um, and I still, I still am in touch with Kathy Hector and some of my high school coaches. And that's really neat. I know this last summer I was at one of the local breweries back at my hometown and my sister was there. Actually, almost my whole family was there and my sister goes, Hey, that's coach Jan, our track coach. And he was jumping into his little convertible. And I was like, coach Jan, cause we weren't positive cause it was really far away and he, his head popped up and I was like, it's definitely him. So we ran around. So just, just being able to stay in touch with coaches. And I think that makes a big difference. And for me, as I become a coach and I start coaching more athletes, like that's what I want to build that connection and that caring beyond just like, Oh, you need to do a B and C to get faster. Um, I think there's a lot to be said about continuing to run and not burning out your athletes. Cause you know, burnout is I think it's prevalent in a lot of high school or college athletes.
1: There's some great, you made some huge points in there. I want to make sure we underscore. Um, uh, my last guest actually, or two guests back, Elizabeth Clore has written a book called Boston Bound. I don't know if you've read the book or know of the book, but um, it was just all of the anxiety and the struggles that she put upon herself. Uh, and it started with eating disorders and anorexia and body her feelings about her body and she wasn't a competitive runner growing up at all. You know, she was in dance and other things. Um, and it just was.
0: things Which is still she, body yeah, focused. Totally, I mean, dance, gymnastics.
1: Totally, totally body focused, weight focused, um, started running, running miles on the treadmill, getting healthy, enjoying running, but had this, you know, really bad relationship with food, which wasn't being driven by a coach. But the reason I'm bringing it up, cause I want to tie it all in together. Um, she, has battled perfectionism. She used the word over over and over again, talking about her own story and her own voice, how that really was causing her downfall. And when she was going through therapy, um, like the specific people that were kind of trained to work with anorexia or people with eating disorders, it just was a very unproductive experience. She she was, you could tell that it angered her and upset her greatly because these people are trying to dive off in relationships with her father and all this crazy shit. And she's just like, this had nothing to do with what was going on. And it took her years, you know, where she finally found the sports psychologist of all things who really helped her kind of unlock this whole thing. And as she became a better runner and became more and more competitive and started winning age group awards, and she had an ability to qualify for Boston, she was kind of Submarining her own self, for lack of a better term, you know, putting too much pressure on herself thinking because of her perfectionism traits that everyone was so worried about what her times were. And she wasn't good enough to make Boston and even if she was fit enough to qualify, things would go wrong even on a perfect day, not a bad day, not a humid day, not a windy or rainy day, just a day where she should have run better. And she just wrote this awesome book and has helped so many people by just being really open and talking about it and sharing her whole experience. And um, I hadn't read her book. I mean, I knew her. I'd met her and her husband on a plane coming back from CIM. We're back to CIM again. No way. And yeah, they're, we'll they're su- super cool. And she's a she's a great blogger. She's got a huge following on Instagram. She's a good person, man. fun person. And, and I love that she was just willing to just get in there and share all that. And I'm like, you know, because you were so open about it and I know you've written about it in your book, It's going to help if it helps one person, if it helps five people, if it helps 10 people, it has impact and swinging it back away from her, but back to coaching, this is prevalent in all sports, gymnastics, swimming, diving there. You can't name a sport where some coach, it's women coaches too, please. It is not just men that are doing this shit. It's women and and men, male athletes. Correct. Oh, yeah. oh, it's just, oh, I, I yeah. think it's as prevalent for male athletes, particularly when it gets to track and running for sure. Mario Frioli is one of my favorite podcasters. He's had an eating disorder issue. Amelia Boone, the great obstacle course racer has been on Rich Roll multiple times and talked about it. So this is not a male female thing, but the coaching end of it, it's their thinking that their life and their success in life and being judged a winner as a coach at a university or even a high school is going to be tied to wins and losses and wins and losses. If you're swimming on my team and you're in the pool, you need to weigh a certain amount. If you're going to swim the freestyle and swim a good time, if you're going to play basketball, you know, you really need to look fitter, be more athletic, be more healthy. However, the hell these terms are couched and dressed up. It isn't healthy and it's bad, man. So we want to drive that shit the hell out of our sport because you, can't, you cannot perform well as an athlete at any age, as an 8-year-old, an 18-year-old, or a 60-year-old, your dad's age and my age, if you are not fueling properly. You need to eat enough calories. You need to put food in your body. You need to hydrate. If you don't, guess what? You're the physical therapist. You know what's going to happen? Stress fractures, muscle injuries, and 500 other things. So God bless. You had two coaches who had a huge impact on you, who were focused on the opposite. Okay. They weren't worried at all about body image and weight and other stuff. And so you who have perfectionist traits yourself the way Elizabeth did. So if you had a coach like other people have had, you know, and obviously I'm not going to just kill Salazar with, you know, obviously um, everything that went down with that because He's one of a million elite coaches that are doing this stuff. He's one of a million. And not to say he doesn't deserve a pass. I'm not giving him a pass at all. I'm just saying he isn't the only one. And, and the other thing too is, I'm, and I have a strong opinion on this, and I want to know your opinion on it. You're an athlete, okay? You don't, you don't have to run for the Nike Oregon Project. You don't have to run for Naz Elite, or you don't have to run for CMU, Central Michigan University. If you, in your mind realize Libby Bigelow, Ron Romano, this doesn't feel right to me. Guess what? It isn't right. Something isn't right. If something feels off, then you talk to your mom or your dad, you talk to your counselor, you talk to some other trusted person. If you're a high school or a college athlete, you don't keep that stuff to yourself because if you're feeling off, guess what? Something probably isn't right. Okay.
0: Exactly. And I think that's a big thing. And that's where I'm, and that's where I'm really thankful because even in like in college i remember even looking back and being like i'm so glad i had coach hector because that was something like there was never that type of pressure and i was and then in college i'm so glad because especially i feel like the first couple of years like i feel like if you're a college athlete who's really good and you're going to go pro probably those first couple of years are going to be those the biggest Stressors. So, if you're going to develop something, that's probably when it's going to happen because you're like, okay, now I'm at the next level. I got to be more, whatever more is. And we try to find all those little things because any runner knows like the little things add up. But if you're not careful and you're doing the little things that you shouldn't be doing, then yeah, super big. Yeah. It bites in the butt later. Definitely. So that's something that like, I've even talked about with, I think my mom, I know I've talked about with Ryan, like I'm so grateful for, for those positive role models. Um, cause it's made a big difference. And nowadays I think people are more open with social media and it's got a long ways to go, but I think elite athletes, they are more open about it and they are more willing to share. And I think that that's helpful for the younger generation coming up Um, because our culture is such a it's our culture. So focused on what we're wearing, how we look, how we act, like it's a very appearance focused culture and it just bleeds right into our sports too. So Yeah. I think it can go a lot of ways. And that's something that I'm super grateful in my past. And now I'm at, now I'm at an age where I feel like, and this is scary because I have to be careful. I feel like I I'm confident enough and I'm secure enough in myself where it's not going to affect me, but who knows, you know, I, it could, it could affect me later on. And I just need to be mindful that it could, because you know, who knows what stressors in your life might come. And then you might feel like that's the only thing you can control and hopefully that doesn't happen in the future because I do have a really good support system. Um, but that is something that, ooh, that's a big one.
1: It is a huge one because as runners, um, it's 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 not really all that unique. We like to think it's unique. But the truth is that you can throw any sport out there. Swimming, you give me a sport and I will tell you that the same underlying stress, the same underlying anxiety, the same underlying tying your own self-worth as a human being to your performance it exists in every single one of those things are you a gymnast what's your score on the balance beam you need to score 9.5 to get a scholarship to ucla and if you don't you're a failure like this is real and this and this isn't this isn't not necessarily coach driven these are kids that just that's it that's their goal they want that And that's, that's okay. Man, I was the most goal driven kid in the world, man. If a coach told me to run through a wall, I was going to be the first one to run through a wall. And if I thought he wanted someone to run through a wall, I was just going to do it without even being asked to do it because I just was going to outwork people. It was just in my DNA. I'm a middle child, man. And you know, my older brother was fully grown and, and he was this monster sized kid, like hitting balls over the scoreboard. you know, we're so close, all my brothers are. But, you know, like, I was never going to be as big as him. I wasn't going to hit the ball as far as him. So I had to do everything else better. I had to be faster. I had to have a better arm. I had to get steal more bases. I had to do other things and be, like, more well-rounded, all-around player. So we all have to figure out how we can be the best version of ourselves. But it's not, and it should never be tied to only our race time.
0: Exactly. Because
1: it isn't healthy. So this is something that, you know, you were given really sound advice as a kid from high school coaching and college coaching. And you can like kind of pass that wisdom and style and, you know, bring your own style to it. You can tell your athletes to get a Subaru back and sleep outside four races <laughs> and they'll make the Olympic trials. And this shit's going to happen, man. It's <laughs> going to go down. It's going to become a trend and it could become a trending topic on Twitter. Who knows? This is, I, I hope so. You I know, hope so too. I hope so you know, I mean, or people are going to start naming their dogs Canyon. They're going to think that's it. I mean, you never, you never really know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, it is a cool name, but, um, so it's, I really love the whole mentorship angle. Um, coaches who've had an impact on us. Teachers have had an impact on us because, you know, like in our, as we get older in life, you can start to focus a little bit more on your own legacy and how you can pay things forward. And you're still incredibly young. You have your entire life ahead of you, but you know, to run in the Olympic trials, like just talk about like what sort of dream? Like was that even even a remote dream? Like did you even think that that could be a possibility? And like how did that? Before we get into the actual Atlanta experience, like way up before all that, work us through like that whole that whole situation.
0: Okay, um, if you were to ask me in high school or college not even remotely like i couldn't have even i'm kind of one of those runners and this is funny but i'm kind of one of those runners who just does it because i love it and i don't necessarily pay a lot of attention to other runners or necessarily other um competitors coaches elite athletes i know one of your questions was when we were talking like what were some of the athletes you looked up to and i'm like i was I don't know. I just kind of did my own thing. I didn't necessarily look up to a lot of people when I was really young. And then when I got older, there might've been a few here and there. Um, but I'm not someone who like followed sports a lot or anything like that. So as far as the dream of qualifying for the Olympic trials far, I mean, I graduated college. I still loved running, kept running for the fun of it. It wasn't until probably, whew, See, I graduated college in 2009. I think I ran my first marathon in like 2014, 2013, 14. So I I didn't really run competitively and I wouldn't even say my first marathon was competitive because I ran a killer first marathon for not knowing what I was doing. <laughs> Just like reading Runner's World. I don't even know. I knew I had a my dad had run 20 milers so I was like I know I got to run a couple 20-milers and not increase my mileage too much, but was literally not following any training plan. So, I mean, it wasn't until back in 2016, my husband and I, we really wanted to break three hours in the Seattle marathon, which was a pretty, it was a hilly course. It is not an easy course. We didn't realize how hilly it was, (laughs) but that was our goal going into it. And when we broke three hours there, I was running on a really hurt foot, like pretty much the whole race. And that was run race we finished together. And I remember telling Ryan, like, Ryan, you have to stay with me. Like I, if I'm going to break three hours, you cannot leave me. And usually it's like if someone's feeling good, go, You go. But like, I specifically was like, don't leave me. <laughs>
1: you needed your wingman, man. This is, this is Top Gun, man. It's like, yeah. you know, come on Maverick, you got to stay on my wing. And Maverick was always like ready to blow, but you know, <laughs> so you needed Ryan. He he couldn't go, man. He had to stay.
0: He stayed with me those last three miles. And I don't think I would have broke three hours if he went to stayed with me, but that was the first time that I was like, Hey, we broke three hours. It was on like a hilly course, I was running injured a lot of that training block, like, and that's what Ryan started saying, like Libby, you should try to qualify for the trials. And I was like, mm, that's like 15 minutes away. Like that's a lot. i kept telling Ryan, like he didn't run in college. So he had the great bliss of being like, he's my dreamer. Like, yeah, you can do it. And I'm like, yeah, no, I can't like, that's really far away. And he's like, well, you got to try like, you know? And so we started training with more purpose, I would say. And it was at the California International Marathon, CIM
1: and it, baby. Yeah, she's rocking the CIM shirt so. too. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm trying to think what year this was. 2018, I think it was 2018. That we followed a plan pretty well, Um, a Sage Candidate plan actually. Okay. <laughs> so we like kind of followed Sage Candidate's plan, and we both had big PRs. I was like 252. And so, took off about eight minutes and he broke 250. And it was like, okay, now I took off a big chunk of time. Like, now I only have like seven minutes. And after that race, I felt like if I keep training, like this is possible. Like, now it became a much more clear goal. So, going back to what you said, like, when did this goal or dream happen? Like, I would say it was a slow birth, (laughs) it was a slow birth of happening. Um, and Ryan, like telling me, you can do it. You can do it. You got to try, you can do it. And then me finally starting to believe him that I can do it. And that was the first time at California that I was like, I know I can do it. Like if it's the right day, the right course, like I know I can do it. Um, and so that it was after that race, I'm going to ramble a little bit here. It was after that race, I called, we had talked about before, if we take a bit of time off, we probably need to get an actual coach, not just follow a written out plan. So I had already looked at different plans, different coaches, different options. And since we're in Idaho, that was before the Idaho Distance Project was even there. So it was like there just there wasn't a lot in Idaho as far as like the running scene. As far as ultra scene, like lots of trail running. Like I would say ultra scene a lot bigger. Um, But no coaches that I could actually meet in person and that would know me well. And so after California, I called my coaches, Karen Lutsky's number from college. And I probably hadn't talked to her since my wedding. So this was like nine years, random, random, right? (laughs) Bless her heart. And I left a voicemail. We're at the airport. She called me back. We must have been on the plane because she left me a voicemail. And on my voicemail, I didn't say anything because I kind of wanted to feel her out. But on her voicemail, she left the voicemail saying, Libby, I hope you're calling because you want to qualify for the trials. And I was like, that's exactly why I'm calling. She believes in me. Like by her saying that, I knew without a doubt she believed I could do it. And just having like her belief and like Brian's belief, it just... Really bolstered my belief in myself, I think. And so after that, she coached me. California was 2000, yeah. A- 18. 2018, December, and she trained me throughout that six months before Grandma's in 2019. Grandma's
1: actually. is June 2019. Yep.
0: So that would be the big change. And if you would ask me, like I said before. I, because I got injured for that, like three week period, I didn't, I knew I had had good training with her and I'd had a good building base before California. So I was building off of that as well, but I, it wasn't until in the race that I was like, I I feel good. Like, I think this could actually happen. I know it's going to really freaking hurt at mile, like 18 on, but I feel really good right now. So, um, yeah, that's how the dream started with Seattle and then got even bigger after California.
1: Well, there's a lot to unpack in there Um, (laughs) and it's, and it's such good stuff. Um, It needs to be underscored big time because um, in life, you know, so you have Ryan, you have your hubs, you guys run, you do that together. Obviously you said he's the dreamer. I just love that. Um, I love couples that, you know, I love anybody who's happy. I'm, I'm down with all of it. I don't care if you're exactly the same or exactly the opposite. It's all good, but it just, it just makes me happy inside when I hear you talk about your significant other like that because we need people like that in our lives. We need that to flourish, to succeed, to you may not be the dreamer, but he's dreaming of what you can do. And then that's like, now the idea is like, it's not just a seed anymore. It's like, wait a minute, maybe this is actually real. And then you call your coach random on a plane, (laughs) out of the blue, no message whatsoever, other than just like, it's, it's me. And then she's like, I hope you're calling about the Olympic trials. And so now you have like, Ryan's up here, coach up here, And now it's like, wow, I've got two people who actually believe that I can do this. So all of a sudden, man, I totally feel it. I feel it right now while you're talking to me. I would be like, holy fuck, I can do this. If they think I can do this, of course I can do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. So that's where it goes from like, wow, like maybe this could actually happen. So that part is like super important because for everybody out there listening at home, if you're close to some big goal a BQ, sub three hours, sub four hours, five hours. I don't care what the hell it is. If it's finishing a 50 mile race, whatever the hell that big dream is, it starts somewhere, okay? And then you got to commit to it. And then when you commit to it, you got to find somebody, one person. And Sage Kennedy is a great runner himself, and he writes great plans. But to your point, he's not going to interact with you. He's not going to be getting on the phone with you, even if you're in Idaho or in Michigan and saying, blah, 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 blah there's coaches around that'll do that. McCurdy does it, Greg McMillan does it. There's there's systems in place. They're terrific coaches. They've got stables of runners and the runners kind of all, you know, collectively are part of a group and I think that that's super awesome. I had uh, Diane Newbauer on who ran 245 in the McCurdy Marathon. You know her her episode hasn't published yet, but it's a fabulous episode. You're gonna love it. So she's like uh, 40 seconds. She ran 2:45, 42, um, and and her, and just I just I just loved her energy. I loved what we talked about, and you know even you know everybody feels very strongly the women's standards going to come down, and it will. But it doesn't matter. You're all going to get there because We're that's, get there. I that's, already know it. Yeah. And then see, that's the beauty of it. You seven minutes, which seems crazy. You just like took that on and did it. Okay. And then if it is another seven minutes, you'll take, you'll take that on and do it. But I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose this point. Cause remember I'm 60 like your dad. So <laughs> memory can be a little sketch. You know, I don't have anybody over here with the note cards over here going, remember to say this. Um, this is important. We all want to focus on the perfect buildup. I'm going to run hundred miles a week. I'm going to run 80 miles a week. I can't tell you from New York city, but a huge contingent of runners go down there. These ladies were rolling together. They were ripping workouts in central park. They were doing this great tempos and long training runs with pace miles in there and they were killing it and they bonded and connected. And I just loved every ounce of it. But there was a part of me just because I know how the type A's roll. there was a part of me that was really scared because it's like, let's just keep going. Let's keep building. And we all want to find the edge, but you have to have some limit of like, what is a safe amount of miles for Libby? What's a safe amount of miles for Ron? What's a safe amount of miles for Diane? Or when I say safe, like, okay, if you've hit 70 before, you know, 80 is okay. You know, just don't start running 120 miles a week because Des can do it. Like, there's got to be a limit where you say to yourself, okay, I'm going to build up to this level and then I'm going to start to back off. And the, I think one of the big things that you said in there that maybe you just didn't even realize is you only had one 20 mile run in there. You're used to doing 22, you're used to doing more. But so many times we think, I have to have a perfect cycle. I've got to crush every tempo run. I've got to kill all my long runs. And you know, no, we don't. We do not,
0: okay? We know the perfect thing about not. And I think that this also helps. The perfect thing about not having a perfect buildup. Sometimes I feel like having an imperfect buildup takes the pressure off because when you don't have a perfect buildup, you're not expecting it to be a slam bang day. And so when things aren't going perfectly in the race, you're not going to overthink and you're not going to freak out. So I think, I think people sometimes need to, I know a lot of times elite runners will like, Oh, I'm not feeling great. I'm just going to pull out. And I think, I think sometimes you wonder like, okay, well, maybe you didn't feel great, but what if you would have stayed in? Because maybe you still would have raced while you just never know. And it's like, I know that at grandma's, it was one of those things. It was not a perfect, but far from perfect. And I just remember thinking like, you know, this is in the race. I also remember thinking I had already signed up for Chicago in the fall. So I knew I had another opportunity to qualify, but when things started get harder and I knew I was like, at mile like 18 to 20, I knew I still had 60 to 90 seconds. I think 60 seconds to spare at that point. I remember thinking, like, I don't know what it's gonna be like in Chicago. I don't know what the weather's gonna be like. I don't know how bad the wind's gonna be. I don't know if I'm gonna be puking the night before. Like, I gotta take my opportunity now, like every mile, just keep this pace. Try it every mile. And don't like, don't give up. Keep fighting, you know, that type of thing. So um I I think that that's important. People want really high miles or they want everything to line up just perfectly. And you don't need that. Imperfect buildups can still lead to perfect races because of maybe the buildup before that, or the two buildups before that they build on each other. And I think that's what is really important to realize as a distance or any endurance runner, triathlete, even like 5k milers in high school, like it doesn't, you don't need to crush everything.
1: It, it's hugely important um, because sometimes coming in a little under-trained is actually beneficial. Sometimes not having hammered four 20-plus-mile runs. And remember, a lot of those 20-milers, we're not just running. We're not running eight-minute pace or, you know, we're run- we might be starting off at X pace, but... At some point, it's turning into a huge progression run or it's turning into the last 10 or 12 miles are at marathon pace or faster. These are fast finish long runs where you're trying to finish when you're dead tired and you're trying to simulate the end of a race, which is exactly what you had to do. And I think he brought up some, Fabulous stuff to dive into Um, the mental piece, that struggle where you're at. I mean, Ryan wasn't there that day. He was there in Seattle. You couldn't have made it without him. But now on this day, you didn't have him there with you and he's not there. So at that point, and it's such an important piece, it can be the crutch, right? There's the crutch. Chicago's there. It's a flatter course than grandma's. It's the weather's generally pretty good. There's a super elite and sub elite field of women running that are going to be shooting for trials times. I lived in
0: Chicago, so I know those neighborhoods and I want to go back. You know, I mean, there's so many things. You
1: have these things that are up there. Okay. They're there. They're sitting there. It's so easy for you at that point to just say, ah, I can dial it back or even not even dial it back. But, you know, I have Chicago. Maybe your brain just does it naturally. Okay. But I love the fact that you just talked about that you were feeling that right at that point because you had eight miles to go. Okay. We need to double down at that point. If you're not injured and you have eight miles to go, get in there, man. Grind it. Keep going. Yeah. Okay, and even if you just make it to twenty, and then you know you just there's no way. Nothing okay, left. then yeah. that's okay then. But don't pull the ripcord cord at eighteen because it's exactly. starting to get hard. Like I tell people all the time, like in our best fartlek runs, if we're doing eight or ten times of something, okay, three minutes on a minute and a half, whatever the hell the the interval periods are, the the hard and the easy. I can't tell you how many times if I was doing 10 or 12 or something in Central Park where it's hilly, you know, I was like the fourth one through and going, oh, oh, my God, I'm never going to make it through the end of this thing. And then I had two or three crappy ones where I was short of what I wanted. And then I rallied and I ran faster at the end than I even thought I could dream possible. So I'll tell people like, hey, if you have a stitch, if you're breathing hard, if you're struggling, if whatever the hell it is, just Give yourself permission to ease off the throttle for a little bit. Maybe 30 seconds is enough to just say, I'm going to just ease off for 30 seconds. That doesn't mean you're going to start jogging, but just just take a little pressure off yourself. And that also goes back to something you said before. Coming in when you're not at your best, when you didn't hit it out of the park, we are allowing ourselves our best chance to race. And the truth is, when we come in with a perfect buildup, what do we think? We're going to have our perfect race. We're going to have our best race. And the minute something goes wrong, all of a sudden, we're not prepared for that. This doesn't make any sense. I crushed all my 20s. I crushed my tempo run. I just ripped a new half PR by two minutes. I just ran 115 half. This doesn't make any sense. And all of a sudden, the doubts start to creep in. So this is this is great great fodder, great talk track. Because anybody out there that's on that cusp of these things, you don't necessarily get... To run in Atlanta by having the perfect weather day, the perfect buildup, having your husband meet you on the course or having a pacer group take you out like it's CIM. It's totally what, what they're calling it. I don't even know what they have a name for it now. They're marketing it now. It's like become it's the, smart. Yeah, it's ge- it's freaking <laughs> genius, man. They're brilliant at it. And you know what? It's a perfect course to set groups up, to run together. And for the men too. I mean, Tommy Rives and Bromka were rolling and those guys just came up like literally second short, which is heartbreaking. And the amount of women that qualified, um, Casey Kilareski was on my show. She made it that day. Um, Your PRs are almost identical. Hers is 243 something. And she ran it at CIM, Um, but in 2019. She didn't do it in 2018. Um, So you were there in different years. But um, it's just, we the mental piece in, you know, we haven't talked about that at all other than like mantras, obviously, and your fun, you know, rap song rhyming one, um, you know, stay in the fight. Isn't quite as cool, but Goggins uses it too. And frankly, you know, I think he basically stole it from me and, you know, he probably, probably did. Although Goggins (laughs) could post about, you know, a picture of himself when he was like killing the cockroaches, you know, back when he was doing that job and he's like 400 pounds and there's like 5 million likes and, you know, I do a post and it's like, you know, 50, you know, so there we (laughs) go. So none of us will ever be David Goggins. It's
0: not quantity, it's quality, right? (laughs) Cheers to that. Cheers to that.
1: Yeah. Good stuff, man. Really, really good stuff. So, um, you go to Minnesota, you go to grandma's, it's a family affair, slime the family stone. It all goes down. You know, you have your day. Ryan doesn't have his best day. Your dad has his day. And at what point in the race, like, I mean, I know 18, you're starting to struggle. At what point in the race do you actually think like, holy shit, this can actually happen? I can, I can pull this through. Where are you in the race when you actually believe it can happen?
0: I would say from the half marathon point on, I believed it could happen. I don't think there was any point that I was thinking like, oh, crap, like this isn't going to happen. Like I just kept telling myself like, "Okay, the next mile, the next mile. Um, So I would say halfway, I believed it could happen. And then by the time we got like three miles to go, I was like, I think this is happening. But then you start freaking out because you're like, what if my watch isn't the same as theirs? Like it says I have 90 seconds to spare, but what if there's not 90 seconds? So then you're like, I think I have it, but I'm not positive until I cross that line or I see the numbers because there's always that part of me that's like, uh, and so I'm trying to look at my watch and check their watches. Am I on? Am I close within a couple seconds? So I would say by the time I had one mile to go, I was pretty sure my watch wasn't 90 seconds off. And then it was like, I was, I knew my mom was there. And so she was going to be cheering me on. And it was grandma's has a quite a big crowd by the end. And I wasn't sure if, if she made it down from the college or where she would be. And so at that point I'm thinking like, Oh, I hope my mom sees this. I think I'm going to do it. <laughs> so, but she did. I heard her. I heard her like, Golly. I was like, I heard my mom. She does not have the loudest voice. So that was pretty special, but I would say, I believed I could do it at mile 13. It became like, I know I'm going to do it. Uh, between uh, it's hard to say. Cause the watch thing, the three to one mile left to go, I would say, <laughs>
1: That's, that's great because I I think one of the most fun things anybody, um, what I enjoy more than anything in the show is like when somebody can take me out there. Cause I, and that's what I say. I'm like, take me out there. Like, I had uh, Ginny Loves Try 24 on. She's done multiple Hawaii Ironmans and raced in world championships. I'm like, take me out there, girl. I want to be in Kona. I've, I've been to Kona. My friends qualified. I've been there. I swam and biked and ran most of the course with him because he got out there about eight or nine days early to acclimate to the weather. And I said, so I, I've i been there. I was there. I saw that crazy energy that that island generates. And I was on a lead he drives, seeing those people come in, and I mean, I cried my eyes out, man. It's like it is like the TV show, but <laughs> that's that's the coolest thing in the world when people get that energy, like you just did. Like you're back out there. I mean, that that's what it's all about, man. That's what the miles. That's what. I, I've had friends who wake up at four thirty to run. I've run. I've run at one thirty or two o'clock in the morning at night during the pandemic. Now, obviously, that's not safe for for ladies or women. I would never advocate that. But you know, what if my
0: husband's with me? We're good. He'll yeah, take care of them. Well, of
1: course. I mean, and and that's good. I mean, we and and you know, worst case, you know, Canyon will just like take somebody out as well. You could always bring Canyon, but I don't think Canyon wants to really rip the long one. So we already figured that piece out. So Canyon's more like going to just like chill out and not put the harness on, but. You know, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we're going to work on him. But like you said, labs, labs, people get the wrong idea. Labs like to go jump around in the water. They want to like play around. They want treats, you know, fetch. Treat. My dog's if like, I'm not, tree, yeah, yeah, my dog's not playing fetch. He just like, looks at me. I ain't doing this. You know, I'm like, whatever. I don't want that. Give me a bone or give me some treats or give me your food. Give me your pizza crust. Give me whatever you have. I'll take every bit of it. And I will sit here and wear you down until you fork it over. And she wins every it. time. She just like stares at me. And I'm like, I can't. Can't win this battle. It's like it's like Spock, you know, doing the Vulcan mind meld. It's like I'm I'm gonna lose (laughs) again. You know, all right. You can have all my pizza crust. You can have it. I wouldn't give it to my wife when I was married, or you know, a girlfriend. But you know, my dog. Yeah, you know, it's
0: all that. That's
1: (laughs) it. Exactly. So just like epic stuff being out there. So a dream that wasn't even your dream, you know, more your husband's dream, your coach's dream, but became your dream, actually comes to life, manifests itself, comes together at grandma's. And now it's like, holy shit, I qualify for the Olympic trials. It's on, it's in Atlanta. What the hell's happening? So we're in June, okay, and the Olympic trials is February, right? I got my timing right. So you got, you know, six months, you got seven, eight months, you know, more or less, right? And I'm sure you, did you take some downtime? Did you recover? Like, what was the kind of the plan from there?
0: So... I really wanted to run Chicago but my coach and all of her wisdom said no. That's too many. That would be like four marathons. She's like that's not the goal, Libby. The goal is to get to the start line healthy. And she was right. Good for um, her. But I just sometimes you have to hear them say that. You're like, "Are you positive?" Okay. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely she's right. And I always take I take 2 weeks off. Like solid 2 weeks off after marathons. I do it for my own It's hard because when you get off of a really good race like that, you want to be like, yeah, let's ride this momentum. But for me, like even more mentally than physically for me, I know I need the break. I just need to mentally do other things, like take care of things around the house, spend time doing other things with friends or family, because when you are running pretty competitively, you like running takes up all your time. And so you don't hang out with friends or you don't you know give your grandma a call and you should and things like that so i definitely take 2 weeks off and then um i i do a very slow build up back up um we did that fall we did the las vegas half marathon so we built up to the vegas half and we just kept it at the half and then after the vegas we did a, there were, the hard thing about the trials being in February is it's really hard to find half marathons in the middle of the winter. True. Especially that like you can drive your Subaru very quickly too, from Idaho. And park. So,
1: and park and not get <laughs> and towed. And, not get, and towed not get towed. While, you, while you're night. all sleeping in the middle of the night and wake exactly. up in some impound lot.
0: Like, ah, crap. <laughs> I, thankfully, I'm heavy sleeper, but I don't think I sleep that heavy. <laughs> i hope I noticed that one. Um, so it, it's hard to find like good halves in the middle of the winter, but we were able to find a little one in Seattle area. And then it was, then it was the trial. So I took a good two weeks off. I, I kept my mileage, I would say around 60 over the fall. Maybe we got up near 70, but not for very long before the half. I would say I'm a more lower mileage person but it depends who you ask. Cause some people might think that's a ton. So, um, and then before I think, the trial, I think,
1: you know, for my two cents and I do know I'm a high mileage runner and I know a lot about mileages that men and women run. I think it's fantastic. And I'm really glad you shared it because again, my competitive female friends that did qualify, you know, they were, Going into northern ranges that they had not hit consistently. And I don't, I understand, man. If I got my chance to take my swing in Atlanta, who knows what I would have done if somebody weren't kind of reeling me in or keeping me like your coach did when you wanted to run Chicago. Like we need somebody like that. Who's putting our interests first to make sure we can succeed and not break ourselves. Cause face face it, we all (laughs) have the ability to break ourselves, man. Let me tell you something, man, we can be Humpty Dumpty, man. Let me tell you something. And I can't believe I've been doing this for 30 years and never had a stress fracture. I can't tell you how many of my friends have been in boots and casts. And I've always looked like, Oh man, that sucks. Like, what do they do? And I'm like, Oh, well, you know, They'll be back soon. And I've said all this stupid shit to them that they're saying to me now. Like, oh, don't worry. You know, it's, like, it's already been three months and you're telling me another month. is <laughs> no big deal. Like, okay, you shut <laughs> the fuck up. You're going to be unfriended very soon. Very okay. Stout. You're on the grounds of like, you have no idea what sort of danger zone you're in right now. It's over. There'll be no Christmas cards. Let me know runs. It's over. You're cut off. Okay. Oh, it's only another more month. You'll be fine. Okay. You take a month off. Okay. It's
0: a lot when, yeah. you, when you're, you especially when it's a lifestyle. And I think that's the biggest thing when working out and being active as a lifestyle, taking a month off is a long time. So taking three months off, it's like, Great. what do I do with my life? You know, it's just psycho. It is. Thankfully I've never had a stress fracture either. And I do think some of that is just a being healthy growing up. Proper and, uh,
1: eating. you were were coached well that way. Yeah. I think
0: that's helped a lot. And with my marathon buildups, I've been between 70 and 80. I did before the trials, I think my highest week I was at 88 one week. However, it was a slightly different week where I actually had two long runs within the week. So it made it look a lot higher than it actually was, but we moved from from Idaho to Michigan, like a month before the trial. So it was like right in that peak training block, high mileage part. And so I had to move things around a little bit. And so I think that's why I was almost at 90 because of that. Um, yeah, but I take it as if I'm still having PRS with what I'm doing currently and the mileage that I'm at, don't mess with it. Like, why would I add more miles if I just ran a half marathon uh about a month ago and I took off 90 seconds off my PR. That's like a significant PR. Which is um and now my PR is a 11715.
1: That's girl that's awesome but we got we got to bring that down.
0: Well, and that's my, the thing I finished on, and I'm like I can on. do more. You
1: got <laughs> Hold on a minute. Girl, you got to bring that down. My my marathon PR is 24046. My half is one fourteen forty three. Um, you're gonna you're gonna chop both. You're gonna chop both of those. Like get out of my way. That dude's old. He's like washed up. <laughs> Plus he's a dude. So like that. You know you're like five hundred times more badass. But that's like <laughs> yeah, sure. you're gonna you're gonna like you're gonna like chop those out of the way. But I love your approach. I mean, like th- we there's just too many people out there that just they just want to just keep going up, and it's like. You know, like if you're like Des and been doing this for a really, really long time and you're so consistent, you can do crazy stuff like Des Tober and run 500 miles and, you know, you can do this kind of stuff. Okay. But no, the average runner, even the elite or sub runner, no, they can't. Okay. They're going to end up busted, broken, injured, or they're going to regress and go the other way. So I, kudos to what you're doing, but also your outlook on it, um, you're going to stay healthy. You're going to stay healthier and you ran your best race when you didn't have your best cycle. And, you know, I I do think there's, there's a lot that we talked about today. I hope that people will really unpack that whole piece and realize I don't care if you're a triathlete. I don't care if you're a swimmer. I don't care what sports you're in. You don't need to roll up to the starting line. Having crushed yourself for three months or, you know, 18 weeks or whatever the hell your period of your buildup was, you know, sometimes coming in having done a little less will yield a better result.
0: And I figure once, like once I'm not PRing, then it's like, okay, coach, can we add, add 10 miles? You know what I mean? Per week? Like what's the next step? But as long as I still see my times dropping down, like I work, I don't work as long hours now that I'm in Michigan, but I worked long hours in Idaho, like long, I worked Four tens, which usually ended up being like four eleven hour shifts. So to squeeze in that was not easy. I could do the long runs on the weekend because I had more time on the weekends, but you only want to crunch so much in the weekend. Um, so I I think that's an important thing for people to realize. And I think like, I think Andy Ripley, I think she keeps her mileage pretty low too, comparatively. And I think it's good for people to realize, like, oh, okay, you can still run really fast without having feeling like you have to do that high of mileage. Now, granted at some point, I know, I, I know I probably will have a conversation like, okay, let's just see what happens. Cause I'm kind of curious, like, because I know, I know I can run a six minute pace for a marathon. So that's going to be kind of my next big goal is, is running that six minute pace and being around like 237. And so like what is it going to take to get there? And maybe at that point, maybe I will need to add a few more miles. But I'm not going to do that unless, I mean, we still have what three more years before the next trial. So there's no point in me dumping on a bunch of miles right now. Correct. If I'm still improving, and so I think that that's, I think it's healthy for me too because I also know in the back of my head, like. Here's what's nice. I know in the back of my head, I know there's things that I can change that will help me get faster if I ever do plateau. Whereas, let's say I was already running nine to a hundred miles, it's like, okay, now what do I do? Where do
1: I? Where do I, like, go, where from do I here? go from
0: here? Do I go up to one twenty? Um, like
1: I'm at a runway, and I think your approach is is really sound. Um, you're already like an aerobic monster, right? That's a Greg McMillan term. You know, Greg coached me when he was uh, getting his PhD in graduate school, at University of South Carolina, did uh, did a VO2 Max test of me for free for part of his uh, you know, research. And, you know, I saw so I go back with Greg to when he was, you know, Greg was a tremendous high school and college runner, like unbelievable. He had all kinds of state records and Really, uh, and real range too, you know, from shorter like mile, fifteen hundred, you know, all the way up to longer distances. I think if anything, he might have been better in the shorter to mid range, you know, than than the marathon and above. But you know, like I mean, I he remember got more
0: marathons. yeah. yeah. But <laughs> the I longer re- the better. <laughs> I
1: remember when Greg, you know, came up with the McMillan calculator. Like he was, that was an Excel spreadsheet when I started working with him. He was faxing me workouts. I mean, this is how old I am. This is the truth, Livy. This is this is what That's goes awesome, down. But it's it's just such a cool, it's just a cool part. Like if you connect with a good coach the way you have, and you had two, and then you develop a philosophy together and you're working together, you see what's working and you see what you can modify, but you have a chance, you got to work on your, you're going to continue working on your speed. Okay. Cause, cause like where I am and where I hit my peak at around 36 years old um, oh, shoot,
0: you know, I'll say that. I only have
1: one more year then. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I didn't start running until I was like 34. So I was a college baseball oh, okay. player. So I didn't have like, you know, 10 years of developing, you know, and, you know, so you've, you've so much more in the tank. But we're, I just did a lot with tempo runs, a lot with long runs with pace. And, you know, I just go to the track and, you know, I could run, you know, six, eight, 10 miles at like 540 pace alone, not in a race, you know, just, I just make, I would push myself and I'm do these crazy long runs where I'd run the last 10 miles at six flat. And I'd be like, I'm like, no, it's gotta be six flat. Like, no. And it didn't matter if it was hilly or not. I was like, no. Like if that meant I had to double no, like my down. Husband. Yeah. I'm like,
0: this one might be a little sore. No, it's no, not gonna no. be. Yeah, like, we're
1: still doing it. We're still we're, we're still doing it. Go Ryan, go Ryan. I'm like, Bye, yeah Ryan, okay. I'm gonna like go yeah. a little
0: easier up and catch up yeah. down. <laughs> we, well,
1: we all know women are way smarter, please. I mean, guys, we don't know what the hell we're doing, man. We're come on, man. And women are way smarter, they're way better, <laughs> face facts, it's reality. We we know it's the women's world, they're ruling it, so it's all good. But um you just you're on a path. You're on a great path. And you know, like automatic inclination is 120, whatever your aerobic strength is huge. Okay. There's things you can do in the tempo range and speed range that are going to equate to a faster half. That's going to bring you to a faster marathon. It's, it's all there. And you know, longer runs. I've always encouraged people. A lot of people don't do them. I've always encouraged over distance runs. I think they're really helpful. And obviously Ryan could do these with you, man, get out on the trails. Like, and obviously only if your coach thinks this is cool and it's safe, <laughs> but you know, go run 30 miles on a trail, run a 50 K, but don't run it hard. Just yeah, run long it and easy. Turn your watch over where you're literally not paying any attention. You're just running and you're fueling, you're running and you're fueling. you're burning fat. You're making yourself more efficient, more aerobic. Yeah. Um,
0: trails are not prevalent in the middle of Michigan. Now in Idaho, no? mm, I mean, they're like everywhere. I mean, there's trail. Yeah, that's the thing. Idaho, there's everywhere's trails. Here, you gotta. I mean, there's only certain spots where there's like decent. I have. Trail. I have a
1: plan. I have a plan for us. We're just On gonna dirt we're, roads. We're, Here's our plan. We're gonna hit Des up. We're gonna get Andy and Zach, and we're just gonna roll up. And you know, you already know me <laughs> just from this pod. I'm just ringing. I'm just ringing their bell. I'm like, what's up, Des? We're here. Let's go. We're gonna be here for a couple of days. We're just gonna hang. You know, do you got any guest rooms, or should we just like stay in town somewhere? We'll go to Charlevoix. We'll just like roll up in yeah. Michigan. It's it's on. Hey, let's, we're
0: going next month. Ryan's running the Charlevoix Marathon. Let's so do it. Come let's on do it. with us. Oh, oh <laughs> she yeah. might be there. Who in, knows? An
1: invite. Like, I don't even need <laughs> more than one invite. Like, if I know Andy and Zach are gonna be there, I can tell you right now, I will come. I'll come. I'll cheer for your hubs. I'll chill. We'll find out. I'll bet you they're gonna be there. I'll bet you They, Find they out.
0: might
1: be. Yeah. I bet you they're going to be there. Cause they coach, you know, they have, they coach too. Um, they coach some athletes, you know, with A to Z yep, running I've met some
0: of their athletes, yeah. other awesome people. Yeah. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. I see a three-way pod coming on with Andy, Zach and you, <laughs> I see it happening. And then we're going to get Dez on. That's going to be our big goal. Yeah. We're going to pull it. Uh, we can pull it off. Come <laughs> on, man. Like I said, I'll just show up and just knock at our door, man. Hey, what's up? Dez, we're here. Uh, dad's the camera crew is coming, you know, so I didn't tell you we were coming. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't ESPN. You know? <laughs> we're like, the, Oh, you didn't, you didn't hear yet. All right. It's all good. All right. We can't, we got to dive into Atlanta. Yeah. Okay? We because touch, we yeah. haven't even That's gone that. to Atlanta yet. So you got your build up. It's all going down. You get in the car, you drive your asses all the way down to Atlanta. By that time I'd be like, sorry, Ryan, I'm not running the race. Sorry, mom and dad. Like I'm too oh, tired. Like. Yeah, it's over. From- I hope he was driving. I hope Ryan was driving that bad boy.
0: He usually drives because here's the thing: we found out that when I drive, I'm a very good driver. It's not my <laughs> driving; it's his passenger ability. He can, he he's like that kid where he's like pushing everything, and then he's like, "I'm bored." And he's like, "Like, babe, you just drive. I'll sit. I'm okay just sitting." <laughs> so. He usually does like 95% of the driving when we go on trips, which is great. I don't mind at all. I like driving, but I don't mind a few drives either. And so, yeah, made it down there. Had just moved to Michigan like a month before. So, I'm trying to job hunt. We're unpacking. We're doing on our move out to Michigan. We got stuck in Laramie, Wyoming. They shut down the interstate for like three days. So, I'm doing my runs like in Wyoming, the middle of Wyoming. It's like blizzard. Winds, disgusting. So
1: perfect build up for Atlanta. Perfect like, build up. Perfect. I mean, hundred percent.
0: Hundred percent. Toughness, mental no, flexibility, wait, and toughness. You just said there. you're
1: running in the winds. We know damn well Atlanta was windy as I won't say the F yes. bomb like too many more times in the episode. Just say we'll go no, W W A F is windy as fuck. We all know that. So it that was. It was a wind tunnel okay the wind was just like swirling and circulating and just like
0: it was just like everywhere
1: and i know which is
0: why my buildup was great because in twin fall idaho it is twin falls is windy it is known for being windy it's high desert so there's not a lot of trees and just the wind high winds frequently and then we moved to the middle of mount pleasant michigan all cornfields lots of wind. And Ryan always complained about the wind in Twin Falls. And I kept saying like, that's windy in Michigan too. And then he finally moved here. He's like, it's windier here.
1: <laughs> like, Let's move sorry. back.
0: <laughs> he does want to, we might move back. He does want to move back. He's we're missing it out West. Long story short, got a lot of like windy runs in, which was great because man, Atlanta was I knew it was going to be hilly. I had done lots of hill workouts. Um, I did a lot of hills in my long runs. We would do like long 20, 22 milers and like the last six milers or the last, like we'd do three by two miles tempo with like hills in them. So we did a lot of hills. So I felt wind wasn't going to stop me. Hills weren't going to stop me. So it made for a very good trials experience, um, uh, going into the trials, Ryan and I talked a lot, coach talked with me a lot. Um, but the big thing Ryan and I talked about were people who aren't the elite elite, like people who are not the top 20 people, they usually start out too fast. Like they start out too fast. They die. So going into the race, I was like, I am starting in the back of the pack. Like I literally at the start line was in the back. I wish I would have been a little further forward and I tried to weasel my way in, but like the nice girls around me were like sardined in. I could not get around them. So I was like, it's good. It's a long race. I'm just starting the back. So the gun went off and it was Wild, you were there. What point were you like? Where were you on the course? I'm curious.
1: Uh, I'm going to tell you. So I stayed at um, the Ritz Carlton, um, they had an outdoor balcony. I'm forgetting the street because you you came in both directions on that street. So, oh, yeah, okay. that street where you just went all the way up, and like Tree, all the way. Up. Yeah, I, I think it's Peachtree. Yes, because yeah. like the entrance of the hotel is on the side street, which is not Peachtree. But we had this outdoor pavilion deck. Of, oh. a, a girl who I know, she actually has a podcast, but it's about piloting and aviation and stuff. She's a runner. And we just she we won't just, want me
0: in that. We, we, we know nothing about <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're the best, we're the best time. So we had the most perfect view of like I'm shooting, getting these crazy pictures oh, of cool. the men, the women, just everything. And I just just like you're talking about Ryan. I'm just like, I can't do this. And she's like, What's wrong? I'm like, you gotta fucking get down there, man. We gotta get out of the street. We need to get out here, and start yelling at people. Let's go. And she's like, okay. And that was it. Like we saw Casey, our friend Casey Killers. Well, like go Casey, go like whatever. And like I'm seeing my New York friends running. I'm just just yelling out. my voice was gone by like mile ten, and just you could just see the course take its toll on everyone, on the men, on the women. And you touched on this way way earlier in the pod. And this is not being judgmental of elites. It's not in any way some sort of slam. But it's like Boston in 2018 when I ran. We were not going to stop. We were going to be taken off that course by a stretcher. I had hypothermia and so did 2,200 other runners. Somebody was going to have to take us off and tackle us and put us in an ambulance where we weren't going to finish that race or they were, or, or maybe if we stopped at a medical tent on the way, maybe that would have gotten you off the course, but nobody was going to take me off of that course that day. And you're a hundred percent right. You know, they're in their mind. They're making calculated decisions. You know, like a Sarah Hall could be saying, I'm going to run the 10,000 meters instead. And I'm going to qualify for the Olympics. No one could possibly know the Olympics were going to be canceled. Oh, no one could I'm sure. possibly yeah. know that COVID that race was COVID free. Like we, it, it was going on elsewhere, but it wasn't, it hadn't hit us yet. So we didn't know, no, we we're all hugging each other down there. We was oh, hanging yeah. and chilling. We had no Sardine. idea. Yeah, <laughs> you guys were, all the women were jammed in. Like you said, but I have like a crazy amount of pictures. I'll bet you if I pull my photos up, you've got to be in. Give me your I'm race number one and one. I'm going to search. I have to find a picture of you because I just kept shooting, you know, and it was my phone. You know, I didn't have a long, you know, long lens camera, but it didn't matter. We were right out there. and like You could see the course taking its toll.
0: Oh, it try. was an, un- and I knew it was going. And I, and this was, was hard. Everybody knew it was going to everybody knew. And so like my race plan going in was like, just enjoy that first lap. Like just run eat, not easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nothing's going to be easy, but like relatively, the race isn't going to start until the second and third lap. So I went out there and just made sure I was, I didn't feel like I went too fast. Cause I was, I was. I wasn't dead last, but I was like, I had to be the last like fifty people in the first. You're, you're
1: talking about in the first loop,
0: In the first lap, yeah. Okay. And
1: which are, the know, loops were like six. What were they like?
0: Eight. Yeah, eight. eight, miles, eight yeah, eight, eight, and then ten. Eight, and then it was ten. Yep, I think. Um, and so that first lap, I was probably like the back f- somewhere in the last fifty. The second lap is. I probably a little before the first lap, I started kind of passing a few people, but I was trying not to get too aggressive. Cause once you went around at once, you're like, yeah, this is real hilly. And the wind was so crazy. I usually wear my glasses, but I was wearing contacts cause I didn't want to deal with like whatever, like some splashing on your glasses or whatever. And I remember thinking at one point, oh my gosh, my like I had to close my eyes really quick. My contacts are going to get blown out. Like I thought the wind was going to blow my contacts out. And there were some girls, which I don't know why they did this. Were wearing like hats or visors and they're like grabbing their hats. And I was like, bad choice. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, That's one thing I don't want to worry about. The not wind a, it
1: out. was not a hat day. Oh my God. <laughs> it was God.
0: so windy and so hilly. Um, so I felt like I went out conservatively, but I still was actually at the halfway point. I was still on, on course for PR, which I thought, I thought, honestly, I could PR in that course because training did go very well and I had a great build-up block. And I, I think I'm the course was, it was, it was really hard and it beat you up. But I know that second lap, like I just kept picking off people, picking, I mean, like lots of people, that second lap probably passed like a hundred people. And then by the time we got to like that last lap or the last, like Uh, six miles, there were people were more spread out by that point. So I'm still picking off people, but it's a lot more effort with every person you pick off. And so it was just an, it it was, it, it was the way I wanted to run it because I didn't want to be the person getting past. And I certainly didn't want to be the person like who had to walk off the course. And I know some people couldn't help it like they had yeah. there was not a choice cuz I guarantee if you would have asked any of those people they would have wanted to finish. I was super thankful that like I was able to complete the race and then complete it in a way where I went in ranked like I think my bib number was 299 and then I finished 134. So like I finished significantly. Like my goal was to finish faster than I was ranked or like place wise faster than I was ranked sure. and I like poof, wo- was like, I, I surprised myself. Like I felt like, even though that's not a PR race, that was, I would say one of my most mentally tough, like well-run race, well-run races that I have run. So it was, oh, it was so amazing. And where you were on Peachtree, when you got down to the crowd, how many, like how thick was it? Because certain parts of the crowd, I tell people it was like six deep plus, and like, I remember thinking I'm getting a headache because it was so loud.
1: It was wild. Um, the atmosphere wasn't, and I run New York 10 times, I've run Boston nine times, um, i been on the running side not the spectating side and i'm sure you can understand that i i it's not what i do i'm usually racing you know i'm not going to watch friends and if i do it's usually not a marathon it's usually a 10k or a half or something or maybe i run with them for some section of the run if it's depending on the size of the race but the energy level that day is exceeds anything that i've been a part of ever at any race. And a lot of it had to do with the women's field. A lot of it had to do with the, the size of the field, the competitiveness of the women's field. Um, obviously there were a lot of surprises that day on both sides of the coin for the men and the women. Um, like you said, a lot of people dropping out the course took a huge toll on people. Um, and it beat people up, men and women alike. And it was uh, obviously the Hills and the, the, constant up and down the rolling nature of the train is one thing in the loop style i think the wind was just the big the big silent you know beat down and the fact that it just never ever ever abated it never let up at any point now i was in a section where we were fabulous i mean we did not have that six deep section it was like right when you came around the corner on like a sharp angle before the road straightened out and went all the way up I'll send you pictures from the angle and you'll know instantly where we were. But it was fabulous because you were kind of coming up this rise and you'd make this kind of almost like a 45 degree turn before the road straightened back out. And then it was just a long, you know, long road up. So we were just in a fabulous place and we could see when separation was occurring. And, you know, I, I was just following so many friends. And I actually had some friends who did not finish, they couldn't finish, they got injured, they had different things. And there was so much in play. Like um, Nike was giving out the Alpha Flies and a lot of people ran in them and some people didn't.
0: And I, I did. Yeah. And it was risky. It was. I think, I think. And it was one of those things where it's like, you you think about it. you're always told don't run in something you've never run in before, and it was like, and I was like, you know what? If I was, if I was really vying for like a top spot, like yeah, I probably wouldn't. But I'm not. Like, I did like a three mo shakeout the day before, and I was like, I'm just gonna go for it. I love. I'm it. not someone who gets like super particular about a lot of things, and. I probably should maybe a little more shoes, but for me, it worked out great. Like it worked out great that day, except for those tight turns. It was a little hard, like you're running on high heels. I but. agree.
1: I agree. It is, it is a very different feel, particularly when you haven't put some miles on them yet. And you really haven't had the experience of them. Once you've rocked some longer runs and done some racing a hundred percent, they're like amazing, but you're right. Tight turns and corners, the next percent is way more comfortable, feel and better at cornering, better at slippery stuff. Like, uh, I agree with you, the height, everything about it feels that way. But for longer runs and straight runs, my God, I take them over just about anything. And, you know, look, I'm a lot's changed in shoes. I mean, there's so much more stuff out there right now, even than I've been since I've been sidelined. it's just a crazy amount of new options, you know, that are available to runners. And I, I almost all of my friends that qualified ran in the Alpha Flies. Almost all of them did. And oh, I think, you know, what? When, when, if something were to happen to you that day, I think that's the only potential scary thing. If you're not strong enough mentally and you know that you might be questionable in that regard where if something were to go wrong, you might start looking at things too closely. We can't do that. We can't. This is your one swing. You don't get three strikes and you're out. You get one swing. It's a loop course. You can't go like, oh, sorry, I'm going to do a shoe change. Yeah, Whatever you no. put on your feet, <laughs> if you're getting blisters, if you're having pain, sorry, man, you got to suck it up and you've got to run through it. And if you end up with like severe foot pain or stress fracture you do but look that was the chance in a million to get to be out there that day and you all um it inspired so many people um just the energy like and and you know my god i'm not hating on men by any stretch of the imagination i mean i love i loved watching jim walmsley that day because i'm a big fan of his from ultra and winning western states i i just love walmsley i just love the dude's approach and I loved watching him run that day and people are acting like he had some bad race. He fucking crushed He crushed guys who only run marathons who are like amazing and came in and people are like trying to piss on his performance. I'm like, what are you out of your mind? Yeah, no, doing great. Literally just like rolled up and like got into the mix and like threw down. And I thought you know, and again, no, he's just zero excuses, man. The dude will just be like, that's what I had. I watched him go for the, go for the hundred K record. I don't know if I've screamed louder at my television watching something I've ever screamed loud. And he ended up coming like, I don't know, eight or 10 seconds short. And yeah, I mean, (laughs) we're going bonkers watching that. But, um, the Atlanta crowds were just insane. Oh, they were and it, oh, They were
0: so awesome. Yeah.
1: And Atlanta track club, like kudos, like what a job they put together. I mean, like Phenomenal. to be, to be in the lobby of the hotel, um, I was there for days. I mean, I, these are, this is your dream coming true. And like my podcast was just getting going at that point. If it was where it is now, I would have just been doing shows in the lobby, man. I'm like, Hey Libby, come on over. Like, oh my gosh.
0: There's so many people yeah. that are like, Oh, 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 Oh. <laughs> And like I told you, like, I don't really pay attention to people. So only in the last year, I've like, my husband does more of that. Like, oh, so-and-so. So so." I'm like, who's so-and-so? I don't even know who so-and-so is. And he's like, oh, they've run this. They're running for this. But I'm like, I'm clueless. It's it's Ryan's
1: job. (laughs) Ryan's on the case. He's got it. He's
0: got it. I look over there. That's uh. See, I don't even know their names. Yeah. <laughs> I still don't know their names from Energy Elite. I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> but just, but just
1: the hotel, where the yeah. where the you know, the race meetings were and all that stuff. Just to be there, I'm not even running to be there and just see the energy, to feel the energy like the night before and be around in the lobby. And, you know, I'm hanging. I met Bernard Lagarde and I'm meeting all these elite women and I'm talking to everybody and wishing them luck and I'm taking pictures of everybody. And my I'm meeting my friend's moms who've flown in from other countries to watch their daughters race. I mean, I just, it was just such a beautiful, just an incredible experience. And like, I try to tell people all the time, you know what? Life can throw you curveballs. It's like if you can't hit the curveball, then you better be damn good at hitting the fastball, the slider, or the changeup. Because like I'm getting ready to go on a plane to Tokyo. And all my friends that were gonna run Tokyo are all like, oh my God, I'm not gonna get my six star medal. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to Tokyo. Okay, it's now Wednesday. I'm like, oh, I'm going to Olympic trials. I'm like, I can still make it. My friends are like, well, you don't have anywhere to stay. I'm like, are you, cr- I'll, book, I'll book a hotel while I'm <laughs> on the plane. Like I did not even book my hotel till I was on the plane. I and you got a spot. I just, I'm, come on, man. I know, worst case scenario, always the most expensive hotel. There's always going to be. A room or a suite, it's going to be an absolute exorbitant price, but there's got tra- <laughs> I'm a business traveler. I know what I'm doing. Like a Four Seasons of Ritz Carlton, there's always going to be, or in all suites, there's just going to be something like that. Worst case, you know, there's always like an Airbnb option. There's, You're going to figure it out. And I got on that plane and immediately I went from being like, oh my God, I'm not going to get there on Tokyo. And I could just feel the juice, man. From the time I got off the plane, getting into town and then just being there to witness it, to see it and be part of it. I'll never, I'll never forget it. It's one of the coolest running experiences I've been a part of where I didn't
0: actually run. Well, and it's so neat too, because the way that Atlanta organized everything, not just like, not just the course, like, but they always had people there telling you like, Oh, this is how you get here. This is everything was laid out. And they were sending us emails like months ahead of time, just like everything detailed laid out. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. They did such a good job at this. And I don't, and I know everybody said it, but I still don't think they get enough, like glory for everything they did. Cause it was phenomenal. They made you feel special, whether you were Des Linden or whether you were Libby Bigelow, like it didn't matter. Like they cared about each person and it was, it was really neat. So when they opened up a half marathon, just this last year, it was like the first one that I felt like, Oh, I can actually get into it and run it. I was like, Oh, the last race I did was in Atlanta. Like that, this wouldn't be on my bucket list to kind of do the same thing twice, but I knew how well they did it. So I knew that when I emailed the race director and I said, you know, like, is this actually going to happen? And he said, yes, it is. And they had everything laid out. I was like, you've done it before. I believe you can do it again. I'm booking my ticket and I'm getting a hotel. And sure enough, the Atlanta track club is just a phenomenal club. They did such a great job and just all the, like, it was crazy because the way the course was set up, like you were saying, you could see the out and back, but then you could also see the men and the women. So while I'm on the course, I'm running, trying to run my hardest. And at the same time, I'm like, who's in the lead in the guys. Like I'm trying to see as they come and I'm going the opposite way. Like, okay, of course, Gail Knop's up there. Okay. <laughs> it was just neat. And then trying to see like the girls and seeing that out and back type part too. Like, okay, now who's, who's up there for the women? Like, it was just, although the 180 degree turns weren't ideal, it was ideal for me to be able to see more of the runners and see like the runners behind me, seeing those awesome women who are pregnant running and cheering yes. us on, and I was like, "Wait, no, you guys are freaking amazing!" Like, we were
1: we screamed so loud for <sighs> those ladies, but I I think that course design, like you're talking about, a, a course for an Olympic trials does not have to be the fastest course. It can be it can be hard. It can have difficult turns, but. If the spectators can be involved, it brings energy to a whole other level. And this was special. There's never been anywhere near that amount of women running in an Olympic trials. Never been that talented or deep a field. And the men's field was like stoked beyond belief. I mean, you know, like Galen waited, man. He was patient and he just like went off man it was like and then you know molly you know sidell like nobody i mean she had an amazing collegiate career and she's got huge national championship talent at all sorts of levels but like nobody like took her serious and you know, I just think it's, we all just to think that it's going to go a certain way. We all love Dez so much. And she's such a grinder. Everybody just figured she's going to close and come in, but she couldn't, she couldn't close the gap. She, was could, tough. she couldn't do it. And that just shows you how tough that course was. So for you to start off with a bib, which was what number? 290, what? I 299,
0: I think. 299.
1: And you finished what place?
0: 134. That's crazy.
1: I mean, yeah. you crushed it. And for everybody who doesn't realize what that is, that's all seated based on your time coming in. So you're basically the 300th to round off and make it simple. What was the field size?
0: Ooh, the, I know 500 women qualified, but I think only like Four hundred actually raced. Yeah, I think race. it was it was
1: a it was something over four hundred or right around that number. So, so you were literally three quarters of the way in the back in terms of assigned bib numbers. You went to the back. You did that yourself. And I love your plan. I love your plan because that course was designed to beat the living hell out of everyone physically, mentally, and then you throw the wind into it. That was just cruelty <laughs> beyond belief. Because. I ran around doing shakeouts for days. It seemed like whatever street you went down, whatever direction you turned, the wind was always in your face. And I'm like, how is this possible? Like, I don't understand. Like, where's the tailwind? Where's the crosswind? How's (laughs) the wind blowing in my (laughs) face? Like, come on now. Like what's going on here? This is, I'm supposed to run fast today. So you end up in one, what's the number one? 134. 134, which is yeah. crazy. I mean, completely crazy. So you're shredding by people from the back half of the race. Um, were you at all focused on at all on your time. I think at this point, it's just got to be the vibe is amazing. You're feeding off the crowd and you're just building and you're passing people. But like, were you at any point like saying, okay, I want to run this at this point, or I'm just going to just keep rolling and not care about my watch.
0: Yeah. That's a good question. I really did want to PR. I thought I was in good enough shape that I could PR on that course. And maybe I could have, if the wind wasn't so psycho as well. Um, I don't know, maybe I I gave it what I had that day. So it's like, it is what it is. But like, so I was kind of looking at my watch cause I was also trying not to go out too hard too. And I was on pace to PR until probably mile 16. And that's when I was like, Oh, I'm not quite. And then it was just focusing on, well, I kind of still looked a little bit, but it wasn't, I was trying to enjoy the moment. I, I was able to start, I was able to run. I was healthy. I was trying to just enjoy every moment of it. And I had so much family and friends there. So many of them that I was really trying to, it sounds weird, but I was trying to, especially on the first loop. Well, cause okay. The crowd was so loud that I was like, I was thinking with the first four miles, it was deafening. And I was like, I'm not going to see the people who came to cheer me up. There's no way like this is Like it was way more psycho and amazing than I thought it was going to be. And it was probably around miles seven, six or seven. I finally heard a friend say, go Libby. And I was like, I heard somebody. Oh my gosh. Like I am going to see the people that, that was me. And so I was like, at that point I was like, I know I'm going to see the people. I just got to figure out where they are. And I knew I had three loops to do it. And so I finally started figuring out where people were. And so I was worried about my time, but I was more trying to enjoy the experience and just be competitive and work my way up. Like I knew I wanted to finish a higher placing than I went in. But I also wanted to kind of like when I saw people, I wanted to like smile or like give them thumbs up or a little fist pump just to say like, you had to travel all the way to Atlanta. I know none of you live even close to Atlanta. I want to say like, kind of thank you for coming out and cheering me on. And I remember figuring out where my grandparents and my brother had come down with his four kids and like, they're little kids, like between the ages of at that point, nine and one. So (laughs) And I figured out where they were. And I remember thinking like Evelyn's his oldest and she was 9 like, I want her to see your aunt Libby. And I want her to know that she can do anything she wants to do. I don't care if it's running. I don't care what you do, girlfriend. Just do like you are unstoppable. So I remember thinking as I come around that last lap, when I see them, I'm going to pump my hands in the air. So that because there's so many people, it's hard for them to see where I am. So once I figured out where they were, I knew that that was my plan. So I come around the street. I see where I'm pretty sure they are and sure they were. And I like start pumping both my fists in the air, like as high as I can. And they they saw me the whole time. And you can see her with her sign, like shaking. It was so neat because my sister-in-law got a video of that whole scene. And I hadn't realized I saw her and like, when I was on the course, I saw her, but just going back and re-watching that video of her being like, "Hey, lady, and being excited, but then seeing my grandparents in the background and my grandpa being like, Oh, there she is. Like, <laughs> like how excited people got when they saw me, it was just like, it made you feel so loved because it didn't matter. I could have walked off the course. They didn't care. They were going to love me no matter what, but it was like, I don't know. Time was important to me, but I think people are more important than a time would ever be. And so that was important that I tried. I tried to give those people like a little bit of me in the race too.
1: That's a beautiful, beautiful story. Um, It's just, it's just love. That's all it is. Um, You know, you did all this work and they came all that way to see you. And, you know, you gave, that part of yourself to them in that moment, and to have it captured on video, um, and to share the sentiment for her to want to show her that she can be or do anything is just a beautiful thing, because that's the truth. It doesn't matter if she ever wants to run a day in her life. You know, she might want to be a professor at a university. I mean, maybe she wants to be a musician. I mean, it doesn't really matter. But, you know, you showed her, you know, what it's all about in that moment. And, you know, the signs and the noise and the energy, it just, it just never let up. And, you know, the stuff you talked about, like with Atlanta track club, I mean, the media kits and the guides and the meetings and making you all feel special and amazing. They were beyond, you know, a plus, 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 plus. But the thing that I don't think anybody realizes like Elite bottles in a race. You know, you don't have a field size like this, okay? You don't have... Four hundred women needing elite bottles. Okay, you might have fifty or a hundred at a Boston Marathon or New York. Yeah, on the men's that, and the women's side. <laughs> yeah, many times not. No, many times, but sometimes depending on the year, if it's you know a big year and people are you know. So no, this was a crazy amount of logistical magic and madness trying to pull it together, and it I could
0: flawless. So the you, bottle thing yeah. was even when we were super crowded at the beginning and we were crowded. Yeah, And I remember thinking like, I don't know how this is going to go with so many people. It, it was literally from my perspective, I didn't see people like getting in the way of people. Like it somehow was flawless. Somehow it, was it worked. Unbelievable how they did the water bottle situation. I mean like block after block after street block of tables with bottles on them. Like it's, crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. And they did phenomenal.
1: Yeah. I wanted to make sure we gave them a shout on that. Because, uh, honestly... And also keeping people from crossing the roads and all because, you know, as the race goes on, you know, the people that are out there, you know, they start to lose their patience and they just want to go across the street or go to the bank and ATM machine. And, you know, you, you can't have some dude cutting across the road and, you know, you got, you know, Molly and Alafine, you know, rolling it up, you know, and all of a sudden one of them gets tripped and knocked down. I mean, i never forget the Olympics, man, where that dude was leading the race and he got tackled, man. I mean, I'll never forget that as long as I live. I mean, it's just crazy. It's hard. Imagine spending all of that time in your life to get to that point. You're leading the Olympic marathon and it's like, are you kidding me? And it's it, It's not like they did anything. I mean, it took him like a while to get untangled and get back up and God knows how much energy he lost and, you know, he didn't win the gold medal. You know, he did medal, so he did rally back, but yeah, I mean, it was just... um. I'm just for so grateful that I was there and got to see it, and not on television. Because from what I understand, television coverage was not great. I mean, nobody really liked the television coverage um, in terms of what they showed, what they said, or anything else. And, and
0: then getting like, I think they got in the middle. They had the special announcement from like the president. You know what I mean? That's yeah. like oh, they couldn't yeah. have waited like no. an hour. <laughs> it was honestly,
1: it was it was just. It was awful. And I never actually even saw it because I didn't, I didn't didn't feel the need to see it. Um, (laughs) I just think, you know, the fact that you were all out there and doing that. And then I think, you know, too, when the race is over, you know, the whole city, it's like, you know, people are just so proud of all the runners, and also the people who put it on as volunteers. Then the next day, there was the marathon and half marathon was going on for the for the regular runners. So tons of my friends were running in that. I wasn't <laughs> running, but I came out there for that, and I Ryan cheered in the half. The oh, next day. See, I was out there, and um, actually, uh, uh another podcast guest. Uh, Amy US Air Force Army run whatever her underscore name is but she's a terrific runner um she's not trials level but she's sub 3 a really really talented runner and That's really um, talented. <laughs> yeah she's just got her PhD man total badass super smart um, her and her husband, you know, they run together and her daughter and, um, she was a super fun guest, but, um, it's the first time I ever met her in person. Sure, Mom, she's like, run, run, don't you run, run, see. come run with me. I'm like, what? Like, I don't have a bit. So I just jumped on the course and I ran a mile or two with her and oh, we were fun. chatting and then she ended up coming on the show with me, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic too. So what a, what a cool experience, man. That was brilliant and i just love you know not only your race strategy but the fact that you shared all of those moments that were special to you you know from the whole weekend and you know race day and everything else because look what with, with every magical story like yours that ended the way you wanted it to go and you put your best effort out there and and were picking people off and didn't necessarily PR, but crazy, like your seating of where you were to where you performed, you just crushed it in every possible way. You know, then the stories of people who got injured or had a rough day or it just took its toll on them and they just dropped out or maybe they were thinking like, I'll run the 10K track trials or I'll do this instead. Like all those decisions that maybe you don't have to make or Andy didn't have to make that day, but other like super elite runners that are compensated based on their results and where they place you know they're making different kinds of decisions with their coaches so you know for you it's awesome man it's just so awesome and like what did you guys do Post-race. What was your plan? What was the party action situation? Do you better not tell me you got into that car and drove home? (laughs) You better,
0: you better have something for me. (laughs) We love going to national parks, actually. So, um, or national monuments, whatever historic sites. Um, after the race, it was kind of neat because a lot of Ryan's family came and my family came. And so, and we had a couple friends come. And so we wanted to make sure, um, that we spent a little bit of time with everybody who came down because before the race, we couldn't like, of course not. you know, we're just, we're going to keep our schedule schedule, and most of them came down just the night before anyway. So they didn't have a lot of time to see us as well as is. But, um, so afterwards we went, we went up to the hotel. And so that was fun getting into the hotel. And, I mean, it was just swarms of people. My sister-in-law brought, um, my husband's brother's wife. They had carried around the whole marathon time, this huge box of gourmet donuts. Cause I love gourmet donuts. I like all donuts. They don't have to be gourmet. <laughs> and so like, I remember going and like being hungry and just eating like, a huge donut <laughs> and um we went up to the hotel room like said hi to people just so we could talk and meet and greet and then after that we went over to my parents hotel room because there was a pool so my little nieces and nephews could play in the pool and we got pizza and just tried to make it so that we could see as much family as we possibly could while we were there and then the next day we went to a couple like we went to the martin luther king national historic site and saw like all of his stuff and that cool era and his influence on people and our culture. And um, then we went, we hit up a couple of the civil war, (laughs) um, national historic sites. So we saw some of those civil war sites and just tried to hit up a lot of those things that I think shape our country, which I think is really good to understand and learn. And find out more about. And so we, we hit up a couple of those after afterwards. So might've had a beer or two. No, I actually don't think we really did. Maybe one, but uh, mostly family, <laughs> family and friends.
1: I had plenty for you. Um, <laughs> we were out with my friend Casey, who I can't remember if she had a stress fracture in her foot um, in her toe. She had like said some complications with her foot coming in. She knew she wasn't right at all uh, coming into the race and, I mean, it was just such a gutsy run for her because she made it very deep into the race. I mean, real deep, like 22, maybe 23. And, you know, but we, she was just so awesome. And we were out with her whole family, her mom and dad and her kids. And, you know, we're trying so hard. I mean, she was great. I mean, you could not tell from the way she was with everybody you know, if she was really hurting, but I'm sure it had to hurt because she was still on pace to run a really solid race, even though she was really struggling and really hurting. And it was just such a gritty effort on her part, but it was just such an, an epic experience. But I'm just glad I got to be a part of it. And what, what a boost for you to come in 300th and finish like in the top third and, you know, just show that you could like get in the mix on a tough course, on the toughest of days and slug it out with some of the best women in the sport. So it bodes well, you know, for your future. So well, I'm
0: excited.
1: You should be, right? You should yeah, be. I
0: think, I think the next trials is going to be, a, it's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully you'll be there. <laughs>
1: oh, you, you know, like I'll probably just like rent out a rent out a whole floor or something and just be, <laughs> yeah. you know, just be doing live stuff, but I'll have to temper it to some point because I want to make sure that all the people like you um, that come on the show and tell your awesome amazing inspiring story that they're gonna be able to have their race day that they want I want to make sure that any of that stuff the fun stuff and the shenanigans will be after so it doesn't mess <laughs> with anybody's results because yeah. it would just break my heart if you know if people <laughs> were got off of their own rhythm and routine because it is important like this is just it's a different world I mean all of a sudden you're going from you know being a top, great local runner in a county or a state, or maybe even in a region of the country. And all of a sudden, you know, you're wearing a Olympic trials name tag and, you know, you're getting walked into hotel rooms and, you know, your names are up there and and your bio is there. And it's like, (laughs) it's just super cool, man. And, you know, I know there isn't a person out here who listens to my show. That isn't going to hear your story. That isn't going to go, holy shit. This is amazing. She crushed it. Look at what she did. Like, It wasn't even her dream when it started. It was her husband's and it was her coaches and she made it her dream and she did the work and she actually pulled this off. She didn't just go down there and just run this race and finish it, man. She just crushed it in terms of like where you were seated and where you came from. So I'm super excited to see like what's in the future for Libby Bigelow. What, what's next? What didn't we cover because we're going to break a record. We may go for our longest pod. I said before, I yeah, didn't I think know. we could. I don't know. We're going to be close. It's, I'm looking at the close. corner window. It's going to be close. Well, by. let's
0: go for it. Longest now, one right it's now.
1: <laughs> all, we are, No one's going to mess with this show or you, okay? Because I'm not going to mess with it because it's good stuff. But anything that we didn't get to... Besides all the super cool stuff you shared with us um, that you are is near and dear to your heart for upcoming not just in 2021, maybe in the future, it doesn't even have to be running related, just something maybe we didn't get a chance to touch on.
0: Yeah, well, I just think I don't know, I think one of the biggest messages for me is even though in my head like, oh yeah, that'd be cool to run in the trials one day, I had people telling me like I could do it and it made it real. So like what I've tried to do, anybody like running friends, who messaged me after the trials or said like, this was amazing. I've just tried to pour the same thing that people poured into me back to them. Like, Hey, you can do it. Like put in the hard work, you can do it. So I've been trying to do the same thing with people because I figure even if they lower the time, there's no reason why we can't still have 500 women qualify. Like We just need to keep telling each other and men, like you can do it. Like, why can't you, what makes me any different than you? Um, especially people who, yeah, you might be 30 minutes off right now, but you have three years to keep chipping away at that time. Like keep that goal. You know what I mean? Keep that dream. You just don't know. So I think that's one of the biggest things. Um, I, I haven't run a marathon since, But I am running Chicago this fall. So although I didn't get to run it before the trials, I'm really excited. I'm praying that it goes off because it's going to happen. I know I Chicago, Brian just said today, he's like, I don't know if it's going to happen. I was like, I think it's no, going to happen. It's going <laughs>
1: to, it's, if Grant, I honestly feel Grant, my friends who are running on grandma's, which you crushed your race at your current PR. It's, it's going to happen. If I really believe the way Boston smaller field, New York, smaller field, Chicago, you know, they haven't gotten through all their hurdles yet. Um, Carrie Pankowski has been the race director there since I ran my 240 there in 1996. Um, there's just no way. He's going to figure out a way how to make that race happen. London's going to happen. Tokyo, no way. I'm scheduled to run that again. I don't think it'll happen. I don't think Berlin will happen. No, because Berlin just canceled Oktoberfest. Like, each, Uh. each of these places... The climate, how many people are vaccinated? What's the current situation? Is all this? There's another big thing. Remember the Tokyo audio auto show. There's another huge event that runs really close to the marathon that just also canceled. So the Olympics, God. the only thing they're doing the Olympics is only people in country are going to be allowed to attend. That's it. So they're not allowing anyone to come in other than the athletes. And which so, is smart. Yeah, Honestly. I don't. I don't blame. Anybody for taking extreme measures at this point, but I really feel I feel good about Chicago for you. I think it'll happen.
0: Yeah, I'm really um, hoping.
1: It's a great race, a great course. The crowds are, they're there.
0: They're I'm there. excited.
1: They're there, and you could you could rip a fast time there. I mean, and you that's can,
0: what I'm excited about. I think if everything, I think I can definitely below. I would love to be like that six minute pace. I yeah. love to be in two thirty sevens, and I think. I haven't been overtaxing my body. I'm going to run another half up in Charlevoix when Ryan wants runs his full. And then it's like, let's go, you know, it's not going to be a perfect buildup and everyone has to know that nothing's perfect, but that's okay. Because like we talked about earlier, when it's not perfect, you can still do great things. So.
1: Well, you have, you have, and so have others. And that's why whenever that talk track comes up, I'm going to make sure that I underscore and just keep hammering that point home because for all of the perfect buildups that I've had in my life, they rarely resulted in my best race. And it doesn't mean that I haven't had great races off of a really good buildup. I have, but not my best one. I really think you, you hit it squarely when you talked about that mental piece. I think that's the piece that maybe I haven't even been able to put into words as eloquently as you did i think we just give ourselves that little bit of grace we take that little bit of pressure off of ourselves that allows us to be our best that allows us to just say fuck it i'm gonna do this today i don't care you know i'm not i'm not worrying about oh am i running six twelve pace no no not not worrying about that you know like and then like you said the clock isn't lined up is it 90 seconds off do i have the cushion like all these crazy ass things like we're not kipchoge we don't have a pace car in front of us with the with the sub two minute car in front of us and god bless man i met the dude. he's he's an amazing human but Uh, you know for most of us you're right we don't know we just literally don't know it's hard as that is to believe nothing is ever really matched up between the watch you know when we start when we cross the line and you know it'd be cool if we knew exactly it'd be cool if somebody was in your headset going maybe you're 38 seconds ahead. Keep rolling, girl. You know, <laughs> this is F, this is F1976 for Libby. Go. Okay. Yeah, you're 47 seconds ahead. And you're in fourth place. You're 22 seconds away from the next runner. Like I mean, NASCAR, why? They have pit crews. Why can't we have a pit crew? Oh,
0: that's a great idea. Like, we should all have just pot. We'll We, mean, will have AirPod, we need know, pit crews. We're going
1: we're going to work on this, man. We got <laughs> we got stuff to work on, man, but anyway, I just want to tell you it's been an absolute blast talking to you. You shared so So many cool stories, um, so many fun life experiences. Um, Before we roll out of here, um, I just want to ask you a couple of quick things and then we're going to, then we're going to shut it down. So your competitiveness, Um, obviously, you know, Ryan is more the dreamer and all that, but man, you got the fire, you have the drive, you got the work ethic, you know, where do you think, you know, that comes from in you?
0: I think for me personally, I think a lot of it's intrinsic. I think some people have to develop it more than other people, but I know even being like a younger person, I was very independent, um, and not afraid to like try new things or do new things, even though it might make me uncomfortable. I'm not saying they don't, those things don't make me uncomfortable, but I think that competitiveness and that drive kind of comes from like, okay, let's just try it. Let's see what happens. Let's, Go by myself to this thing of people I don't know and make myself uncomfortable and say hi to everybody and try to meet new people, even though that's hard for me. I'm gonna do it anyway. And people would be like, oh no, you're an extrovert. No, I'm not, but (laughs) but I really I try to get out of my comfort zone in in areas that aren't even necessarily like running. And so I think that that kind of getting out of your comfort zone, getting competitive with yourself and with other people, I think in a healthy way that that's a good thing. Um, I think for me, a lot of it, yeah, that's a good question. I think a lot of it is just intrinsic and has, and I think grown differently. And especially as I've gotten more confident in myself, I'm much more confident now than as a high schooler and then as a college student, because looking back now, I'm like, oh man, I know I could have run faster in high school. And I definitely know I could have run faster in college. Like, but that's okay. I enjoyed my experiences and I ran as good as I could at that time. And so just accepting that and thinking, okay, now what can I get out of myself now so that I don't look back and think like, because competitive people, you always are like, oh, I could have done that. I could have done. And it's okay to say I could have, but I also want to be like, but I'm also happy with what I did. I'm happy with that path I took. So I thinking that healthy balance is important.
1: Always, always. Okay. And last one, something that You want to share in part either with girls that you're coaching, um, you know, at your it's high school level, right?
0: Um, I just started coaching men's and women's cross country at the college level, very small. Yeah. Very small college. Okay.
1: So either something you want to share with them, um, or other women runners, you know, that could be, it doesn't have to be, it can be either one. You can pick either path you want, but just something you, one last thing you want to share for everybody before we, before we shut it down.
0: Oh, one last thing to share. No pressure, right?
1: (laughs) No pressure at all. Come on. You got to have some cool life lessons, something, anything.
0: I think the biggest thing is go for it. Like just keep reaching for it and keep going for it because, and then also be that person to cheer the other people on. Like, I know I wouldn't be here without my support. So be that support and be that cheerleader for the other people around you, whether it's female or male, it doesn't matter. Just Be that even as adults, we're not necessarily a team, but as a community, we are a team. So making sure that we're cheering on the people at work, the people that we're with in our daily life, cheering on the people that, you know, you're with your husband or your wife or your kids. And I think we forget to encourage them. I think we're so easy to nitpick and say the things you can get better at. Don't forget to be that cheerleader and tell them like, you can do this. Those goals are possible. And so I think that would be my biggest message is cheering those people on, encouraging.
1: I love it. So it's paying it forward, you know, because your coaches gave you, they believed in you um right from that phone call from the plane where no message was even implied like she was saying she was hoping you were calling that you wanted to qualify for you to let me try so that was there Ryan believed it he knew you could do it he thought you could do it um and it just took a little bit longer for you to believe it so i love that you're thinking of giving that same confidence message talk track back to people you coach or other women that you might meet on the gram you know out here you know, in the space, which is how we connect. So we either connect or we don't. But anyway, um, what a blast, man. Had such a fun time chatting, great way to spend uh, Saturday night, man, super fun. And we always say before we roll out, we tell everybody to keep lacing them up, keep getting out the door and always remember to stay in the fight. This chat with Libby was so much fun and I'm so grateful for her for bringing such positive energy and sharing so many fun stories, making me laugh and no doubt sharing so many tips and stories along the way about her training and racing that will resonate with all the run chats audience and no doubt inspire many to big things in their future. It was just one of the most fun chats I've had and I can't thank Libby enough for spending the time with me and sharing and making me smile and laugh during our chat. And I just want to give a quick shout out to everyone. We've been getting some amazing reviews lately on Apple Podcasts. So thank you um, for doing that. It's really helping us get new people subscribing to the show, new listeners help. And they help me as a podcast host get great guests like Libby to come on and share their stories. So please, let's keep that momentum up. It's so appreciated. So thank you to everyone who takes that action step and helps us build our platform and our community forward. So as I say at the end of every show, keep lacing them up, my friends. Keep getting out the door and always remember to stay in the fight. Peace out, my friends.